0: on episode 88 of Pixel Gaiden classic games with female protagonists Eric discusses the Evercade SD and Cody talks about upcoming projects handheld game orientation Eric and Cody prepare for new beers do we all spend too much on old video games lots of retro inspired video games coming up and the cringiest Patreon song yet let's get this thing started
1: not a visitor. Stay a while. Stay forever. Welcome to Pixel Guy Den!
0: Featuring Cody, Eric, and Tim Drew!
1: Now, here are your hosts, Eric Nelson and Cody Hoffman!
0: Hello, one and all, to the number one rated podcast on all of iTunes, tied with a few others, I believe. Yeah. Five out of five
2: stars. Certified.
0: Absolutely. I mean, I'm trying to remember the guy, the the meme with the guy with the desk at the coffee mug. It's like, (laughs) what does he say? It's not like, come at me, bro. What is it? Oh, change my mind. Change
2: my mind, yeah.
0: You know, I don't care what other podcast you have out there. We are tied or better than them. Uh, nonetheless, you have uh, introduced the world of Pixel Guide in uh, for the month of August. Hot August nights.
2: Yeah, and the, the weather's changing a little bit. It's getting a little cooler outside. My beers will reflect such differences. Ooh, ooh
0: we're in the yeah. low nineties now.
2: That's right. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you put it that way. <laughs> it's true. It's like ninety. It I true. think it's eighty-seven today. So we we broke the ninety barrier. But yeah, uh, if you've come for retro video game talk or retro related uh inspired video game talk you've come to the right place my name is cody hoffman
2: i'm eric nelson
0: and we bring the funny (laughs) well we try (laughs) maybe not on purpose
2: (laughs) exactly hopefully we bring some good information on some retro games some some not so retro games and uh and, and various other things
0: absolutely um quick update on myself we just got back uh today um from the first day of the nevada county fair my daughter showed Ooh. off their turkeys today
2: yeah so i saw was some e- picture you sent some pictures of your proud turkeys
0: yeah it was exciting we've never we've never done a raised an animal or done any of that so a new experience for all of us and uh you know never been to the nevada county fair so all whole thing was new and fun and exciting
2: those turkeys are destined for uh, a great future right like they're gonna go up to the farm live their life yummy in my you know.
0: belly <laughs>
3: <laughs> oh.
0: actually, actually yeah, two two of them are going to be sold sunday so uh, it's kind of oh, funny cool. my, my my uh my well my whole family but typically because i'm working my wife and daughters have to go there in the morning and at night every day until sunday to keep the turkeys wet watered, and fed and then wow, there's some volu- that's crazy there's some volunteer stuff as well but
2: that, my kids start school thursday but i guess yours don't eh
0: they start next tuesday
2: Oh, wow. Look They're pretty that.
0: close. But there yeah. is your farm update for the month. Farm update. <laughs> since that's what you guys came to listen to. Um, really quick, want to make sure everyone knows we are part of the Amigos Retro Video Game Network. Uh, we are befriended by such shows as the Amigos, everything Amiga, uh, ARG Presents. Um, you know what? I always, It's ARG Presents. But what does that stand for? I, now that I think about it, I don't know if I've ever...
2: Amiga Retro Gaming. Okay. That's and just it, what it stands for. I don't know what it has to do with the show. They kind of cover everything
0: outside of the Miga.
2: That's right. <laughs> I don't know why, but that's just the way it's always been.
0: They also have the Coco Show. They have in uh, Sinclair. And of course, the amazing uh, Sprite Castle, which was my first podcast, my first introduction to the Commodore uh, yes. with Rob Black O'Hara. So check those shows out on this episode of Pixel Guide In. Uh, you should be listening to this on August 15th, in theory. Um, we will be covering a number of great things. Of course, we will be touching on the news. we got some qu- quick questions to start off with. Uh, Eric and I are going to cover six good what games?
2: Uh, with female protagonists.
0: Six good games with female protagonists. Actually, I, my, I guess it works anyways. I said female leads, but I guess protagonist would mean that, that she has to be the good the good guy
2: correct good girl the one you're good playing gal.
0: yeah yeah uh so we'll catch that up on the end of the episode here and uh we've got a cody's corner which i just kind of talk about my long list of projects i haven't gotten to yet and just kind of updating people on where i'm at what i'm looking to do and maybe you'll get a few ideas yourself
2: cool no tea time is that coming out on this episode that's or coming out episode? on this
0: episode because they uh, wow I'm,
2: it's gonna be action-packed
0: yeah do, do we have a, an eric's take as well then right
2: we do i just uh finished that last night it is it started out as uh, eric's take on the ever sd which is the sd card solution yeah. for the evercade and it turned into a ram- spiraling rambling mess about the evercade <laughs> so i hope everyone enjoys it
0: we'll put it down as eric's take spiraling rambling mess about the evercade yes. um unfortunately no tea time with tim this episode we're gonna get a whole bunch of tim uh next episode which comes out on the 30th that'll be our 89th episode uh, which is also also the uh the date for the big quake which <laughs> 1989 <laughs> when the giants and the a's were playing and all kinds of craziness went on i think i have that right um, Yeah, i think so <laughs> i remember i was in vacaville and my my sister and i got between the door frames to protect ourselves wow. from the falling debris just like they taught us in school that's um, right and uh yeah so we got tea time with tim next episode and we're gonna have a game show and we're gonna catch up with each other as well as do a battle of the systems between a couple of pac-man clones on some not so popular consoles
2: that's right casey munchkin on the odyssey versus uh, munchman on the ti 994a
0: munchman so i guess one console one computer so there's the lineup but anyways as we'd like to do on the show let's hop right on in to some quick questions Quick questions. All right, Eric, what is our first quick question for the episode? Let me share my screen here so you can follow along with me.
2: Perfect. The first one that I uh, am going to read is from 48K Ram, our friend Josh Malone, uh, from our Discord, and he asks, what is the best handheld game system form factor, meaning like portrait, like Game Boy? Um, he put GBA SP, which is the little handheld one uh, with the flip screen or landscape, which is the game gear, the switch, the game boy advance, the, the long one. Um, so, but pretty much what is your favorite um, form factor? I'll let you answer first there, Cody.
0: Well, let me preface this by saying those are some terrible, terrible examples because when you say which handheld system has the best factor and it's like landscape game gear, um, that is basically a, a postage stamp screen and you can't see it anyways. So I don't really associate <laughs> a whole lot of positives with the Game Gear, uh, unfortunately. Right. But
2: it is, it is what I guess what I would call landscape the buttons and controller on the sides of the screen. I think that's what he means versus like the Game yeah. Boy where the buttons and controller are underneath the screen. Yeah.
0: I, and I think it's interesting too because, um, the Game Gear has a very small postage stamp screen that you hold in your hands. But I think the advantage to to a landscape is that you can have a much bigger screen such as his second example on the switch, which is massive. Imagine doing that in a, in a portrait version where you've got (laughs) a giant screen that's huge controller underneath it. So um, Eric, I'm, I have a, I have a, a cheat out answer answer here. I, I prefer both. Okay. I'm, I'm pulling out the wonder swan which I can play in portrait or landscape. Boom.
2: Yeah. It's the switcheroo. Drop the AC mic. DC. <laughs>
0: um, if I had to pick one, I have to go I have to go landscape. Honestly, uh, handheld systems, I, I find difficult to really get into games on them just because typically the screens are so small. Maybe yeah. as I get older, I'm less and less interested. So I, I love the Switch and that is landscape. So that'll be my, my go-to question. Although the Switch with the flip grip can also be played with a landscape or a, a portrait style screen, even though your hands are still landscaped. Does that make sense?
2: That does make it's sense. Like a, it's like yeah.
0: the, a T, an upside down T. Right. Anyways, what do you? What's your answer?
2: So my uh, short answer is uh, I prefer the landscape where the controls are on the sides, like like the upcoming Steam Deck or the Switch or uh, even the first Game Boy Advance. Um. With that said, I have been uh, really, um, really interested in collecting all the handheld systems I can. I've been on a run, like just really? buying everything I can. Huh. Well, like Neo Geo Pocket, uh, WonderSwan, uh, coming up and catching up, I'll talk about putting a new screen in my Game Boy Color. I love them all, whether they're portrait or landscape, and they all kind of have their You know, they're they're cons, pros and cons, and I I, I like them all. But I think for as far as, like, um, playing them, the longevity of playing, like, can I play for two hours? It would be hard for me to play a Game Boy game for two or three hours on that form factor. I think it would hurt my hands after a while, whereas I think uh, the landscape one is a little more natural feeling. So if I had to pick a favorite, I would probably pick landscape, but I do love them all, so i think
0: there's a reason that's my that answer most of the new handheld consoles if you want to call them that are coming out that way like the evercade and the steam deck yep um they're Absolutely. more comfortable that being said my favorite two retro handhelds are the game boy sp which is portrait once you open it up yes. and probably the psp which is landscape so yeah i guess i don't have a huge opinion either way there's a good non-answer for you 48k brand <laughs>
2: Uh, before Disappointing we, one listener at a time.
0: There you go. Before we get to our next question, I want to tell you guys quickly about our show sponsor, retrorewind.ca. That's retrorewind.ca. Uh go ahead and hop over there for all of your Commodore Commodore and Tandy Coco computer needs, um, including the Commodore 64, 128 16 for Amiga. And as I said, the Tandy Coco line of computers. A couple quick items I wanted to let you guys know about this time. I don't think we've mentioned this on the show, really, but uh, everybody loves a good Amiga. A good, good Commodore Amiga. Uh, yes. No one, um, you know, outside of nostalgia, no one particularly loves a good Commodore Amiga roll ball mouse, where you got to clean out the gunk. Uh, if you're lucky to have the, the one. Old t-
2: tank mouse. The tank mouse,
0: or the, what do they call it? The pregnant mouse. Uh, They have a bunch of these different mice, and, um, you know, if we could use a modern uh, mouse with the, you know, the the infrared on the bottom, the whole thing, why can't you do that? Well, you can. You hop on over to RetroRewind.ca, pick up your Amiga USB HID mouse adapter, plug your USB mouse in the one side, plug the other side into your Amiga, and for a mere $20, as of time of this recording, you get yourself that solution. However, Eric, there's a way to save... In my calculations, two dollars off that particular
2: order. How would you do that? You would put in a code, one of them computer codes, <laughs> into the website, and it would be PG10, and you will get ten percent off of any purchase.
0: PG10, kind of like Pixel Guidon 10, huh?
2: If you forgot, yeah, Pixel Guidon, absolutely, or Pregnant Girlfriend, whichever, whichever, whichever fits your lifestyle or situation.
0: Absolutely. And while you're adding the modern mouse, why not make room with your uh, in your A500 Amiga or your 2000 with the CPU relocator, uh, the adapter that fits <laughs> onto the 6800 CPU socket of an Amiga 500 or 2000 and moves it by 90 degrees, making room for all kinds of cool other modifications that I know you need to clear room for.
2: <laughs> it's key. It is key. I haven't, I haven't had the need to use one yet because I don't really use my 500 or 2000. I, I have a 500, but not a 2000. But you 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 want to cram all sorts of goodies inside of one of those, and so if you need to, you you need to use this to get all that crap out of the way for the real goodies.
0: Exactly. So hop on down to retrorewind.ca, put in code PG10 for ten percent off, and say really loud into the ether that Cody and Eric sent you.
2: Exactly. Quick question exactly. number two, Eric. Quick question number two is from our friend Retro Gamer Nation, Retro or RGN. Gamer Nation. And he is on, uh, on the Discord again. Here, he, here is his question. What do you think will be your breaking point where you realize that you are just spending too much money hoarding old machines? Starting to sound like my mother-in-law.
0: Feels like an attack.
2: <laughs> and new gadgets <laughs> that replicate old machines. For me, it was the purchase of the expensive Mega 65, a product that is destined to be the most attractive retro-themed doorstop. Oof.
0: <laughs> I have to laugh at this question. A, there's a lot to unpack with this question. There is.
2: Um, a little bit of hostility, too.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and I think it, it's all going to change, obviously, for people, depending on what kind of gamer slash collector slash mixture of the two you are. Or I'm going to yeah. throw a third one in there, investor. Um. So... I, I think there's really there's people who who buy the stuff because they just want to play the games, right? Or at least that's an right. aspect of why. Uh, another aspect is you, um, like with the new stuff, you want real hardware, but you want to play the old games, and uh, uh, maybe you want to put some stuff on the shelf to look nice. You know, maybe like mm-hmm. this doorstop. They just want to have the things to look nice, but you want to play them with HDMI, the new, th- the new stuff, and put the old stuff on the shelf, something like that. Maybe you're buying it because you want to buy all the old stuff because the prices are going up, or realistically, all the new stuff when you buy it and it stops, they stop making runs of it. It's going up even quicker than the old stuff is. Um, and then of course you, you've got your FOMO, <laughs> you got your <laughs> right. you got your fear of missing out. So you got all these things, and um. So if, if I were going to a- answer this, I, I – oh, and then you have space, all right? You want to do all this stuff, but you're mi- max, minimized by space. It makes me really sad when I see people who spent all the time and energy to collect all the stuff, and then, uh, you know, it doesn't make sense to me because I'm not in the situation, but they decide enough is enough, and they sell, like, everything.
2: Yeah, I've had a couple of friends on Twitter. I just scratched my head because they had such beautiful collections, and they, they didn't need the money. So, but they were just like, oh, I just need to clear some space and get rid of all this stuff or I'm just beyond the hobby now. And it, it's a, it, whatever works for everybody. But it always brought a tear to my eye because they had worked. I, I'd follow these people for years on Twitter collecting stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Yep. Yeah. So, I it's all over the place. So, for me, I, luckily, I'm in a place where space is not an issue anymore. It was and it slowed me down for a long period of time. Um, yes. So, that's not the issue I like having the old stuff because, A, I like to play it. Uh, B, and I want more more than just play it, I want to have the original experience playing the right hardware on the right TV. But then at the same time, once you get that, I, I am guilty and starting to buy all these modern accessories for it. Like, this system's great, and I want to have the original controller. However, the original controller is garbage, and if I really want to enjoy the system, I'm going to get a modern controller, but I want to have yeah. both. <laughs> you know, stuff like that. Um, you know, my, spe- my ZX Spectrum Next over here is my that's how i play all my spectrum stuff um i have uh, another spectrum up here that that tim sent me the 48k version but um if i plug that in it's just to experience it every once in a while but i'm going to primarily play my spectrum stuff on the the next um, yeah i didn't get the mega 65 for that reason it just kind of looked like there was it wasn't going to do much
2: um, and it was very expensive i mean it yeah. was it was mind-blowingly expensive to me um but the thing and I'm, is, and I'm not saying it's not worth it i'm just saying it was way too out of my price range
0: yeah yeah and, and i don't i didn't expect i didn't foresee a lot of people making stuff for it kind of same with the, the spectrum next honestly but it did so much stuff that i also needed it to do that it was worth it um right so here's where like where co- you know to be completely upfront, here's where it comes down to me for me i love all this stuff i i like owning all this stuff i like playing all this stuff i like looking at all this stuff i love every aspect of all of it But when I do things, I also make sure I'm doing them in a way where if I ever decided I needed to sell something down the road individually, it's worth more than I paid for it. So the way I look at it, I've got the space and everything in here uh, almost every day has gone up for the most part. So I see it as an investment as well as a hobby, as well as everything else it is to me. And it's all good stuff. I know the market could drop on them and things could happen that, you know, it is, you know, realistic. But so for me... Um, I don't think there is a breaking point. Uh, There might be a breaking point to adding things when I don't see when I, when it really is me throwing my money away and I know I'm not going to get a return on my investment outside of just buying more stuff. Right. Um, Yeah. Like my Fairchild Channel F, I bought that non-working for 20 bucks knowing that I don't even need it to work because I'm not really going to use it. That is purely a shelf queen. And it's a cool piece yeah. of history, and it's like a museum piece to me. So, yep, that's a very long answer for a quick question. What about you, Eric? <laughs> um,
2: I think my I think we're kind of aligned. I mean, I think we have some different opinions. I I've never bought things thinking that they're that I'll get a return on my investment, mm-hmm. even though I right at this moment I would make a fortune if I sold everything but I never went into it thinking that I'm ever going to sell anything. I I like the stuff I have and I I don't want this to sound like a, like a brag or a humble brag or whatever, but I went through a tear for years just buying everything I could. I mean, I bought like seven or eight Commodore 64s at a time on Goodwill. I bought all the Atari computers I bought. Um, I, I, I just went through a tear buying all the mainline stuff and Then, probably maybe a year ago, a year and a half, I stopped buying stuff. I mean, slowed down. I didn't stop. I slowed down because there's not a whole lot left I need to get. I mean, there is a lot of stuff out there that I don't have that's rare or it's just hard to get nowadays. But I don't feel the need Mm -hmm. to get I have all the main stuff, so yeah. I'm I've been very very happy with what I have. There's a couple of st- things still out there that I'm 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 actively seeking, but I'm taking my time and being patient trying to find a good deal. So I'm not in any rush at all. Um, but I, I do feel the pain of running out of space. I have this one small room that I work out of, and everything's kind of stacked up in tubs because I yeah I can't display everything all at once. Um, so that that's a frustrating part of it. Um, but otherwise I'm doing pretty well and I've slowed my, my buying down, which delights everyone in my family because I'm not buying so much <laughs> crap anymore. Um, and I, you know, just, I'm just getting along. I don't think there's ever going to become a point where, I mean, other than when I re- maybe retire and we move into a smaller house, then I might think about clearing some stuff out, but who knows? I might just do this till, till the day I die.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I think the key point in this question was, you said, you realize that you're spending too much money, um, right. And so I guess, I guess, okay, it's like I said, not humble brag kind of a thing, but um, because of the way I'm collecting, the money isn't, it's not about spending too much money because uh, the money is invested in different ways for me, you know, I don't plan yeah. on selling any of it, but if I ever needed to get my money back, it's there, you know, yeah. that kind of a thing, that kind of thing.
2: Absolutely. So anyways, yep.
0: cool, cool. I, I'd be curious to hear other people's views on that. And to do that, of course, you guys could join our Discord uh, if you are part of our Patreon subscriber list. Um, so we'll give you more information about that very shortly. But first and foremost, Eric and I need to crack open a beer while we discuss our errata and feedback for the month.
2: Perfect. Let's do that.
0: You had a beer ready for yourself? Now, Eric and I, if you guys can't tell, uh, last month was a, an amazing fluke that Eric and I were in the same room at the same time recording the show. We're back to fun. being uh, we're back to being virtual. Um, but uh, while, while Eric grabs that, I need to start um, by pointing out one thing that that I messed up on the last episode. I even said it right in the episode. I'm like, I'm taking note of the timestamp because I need to beep that out because our family-friendly show can't have Eric saying... Um, comments he likes to say which are hilarious but not family friendly.
2: <laughs> I see I disagree. I disagree. I, I don't think it's there's anything terrible. wrong it's with not a that bad with, word with what I said. Yeah. Let's just say I had a friend in high school named D. Uh-huh and if there was more of one than her, it would be D's. Uh-huh, yes they were.
0: Did she like to eat and like then,
2: planters' peanuts? Yeah, sometimes you just gotta do that. I don't think there's anything at all wrong with that. I think that's totally G rated. I think it's totally G <laughs> rated. But that's just me. You're the one who does the editing. I'm gonna leave I'm gonna leave the I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna leave the uh, the the censorship to you.
0: Well map would be upset at you. And if you don't know who Map is, it's moms against Planner Peanuts.
2: <laughs> so <laughs> All right, I'll keep that. I'll keep I'll keep uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll keep I'll keep that statement to a minimum in the future. Too
0: funny. Too funny. funny. Um, what do you got there? All
2: right. So I, this is a, so by the way, I mentioned in the front of the show that, you know, it's getting a little cooler outside. And so when I went into my local alcohol establishment, they start, we starting to stock up on Oktoberfests again, Okay, yeah, which is one of my, one of my favorite genres of beer is Oktoberfests. And this one is from Golden Road Brewing, and this is their Oktoberfest. Uh, it comes in a nice blue can. I don't know if you've seen that.
0: I have not seen that one, no.
2: Yeah, so um, here it goes. I'm going to pour it in. What do you have?
0: So I have two Moonraker beers with me today since we talked about my favorite brewery last episode. And it is Moonbra- Moonraker. And so we ended up down there the other day. And both uh, my my family and my, our friend's family, we just hung out there for a while and uh, picked okay. up a bunch of four-packs. And I also, this is another piece of errata. I was talking about how Moonraker has like seasonal beers and one they're really yep. well known for is uh, Electric Lettuce, which is like a springtime beer, but they don't have it anymore. Well, guess what was on tap and in the can when I uh, when I went back there is nothing other than Electric Lettuce.
2: Wow. So cool. here it
0: is. And I'm excited to drink it.
2: And remind me again, what type of beer is that?
0: Uh, so it says Imperial India Pale Ale, which is... I feel like they're getting less and less um, offensive to me. I think they're getting away from that Sierra Nevada flavor and getting more towards the hazy flavor, which is a little different. So, okay. Anyways, cheers, my friend.
2: Cheers, my friend.
0: Boom. <coughs> right. Episode eighty nine or eighty eight, Eric. So out of eighty eight episodes of Pixel Guide, in. Ooh. I'm going to go ahead. I've already had this one. I, I enjoy it very much. I'm going to give it an 82. Very good. 82
2: beer. out of 88. That is high praise. That is high praise. High praise indeed. That's it's electric. A lot. This one is very good. It is not the best Oktoberfests that I've had. It's in fact, it's not even the best one I've had this week. <laughs> so I am going to, but it is good. It's got a caramelly flavor. Um, caramelly. That's a word, right? Caramello. Yeah. Caramello. It's a candy bar. Um, I'm going to give this one out of 88. I'm going to give this one a 76.
0: All right, all right, pretty pretty, pretty darn good. October, like that I said though, Oktoberfests are uh, they're kind of one of those beers that are just nor- normally good. Kind of hard to get a it, bad one.
2: It is hard to get a bad one. This and it is one of my favorite genres of beer. I, I love I love almost all of them. Um, I have had some bad ones, so okay, I, I have, yeah.
0: Um getting back let's to our r- errata here
2: yeah let's keep on errata
0: yes we shall uh so really quick i'm gonna burn through mine and then you can cover our uh the ones that were called in for us how about that sure yep um actually one of them is uh here, go ahead and throw this one out mm. there since this one has been called in by somebody
2: the, the one you're hovering over right now?
0: Yeah. Do you remember this reference or no? I do
2: remember this. We were talking about Pee Wee Herman. We went on a, a tangent, a great tangent like we do, and we were talking about Pee Wee Herman. And I'm like... And we we, <laughs> both threw, we both threw out names for the chair character. I thought it was like
0: Rosie, but no, I'm like, no, that's the robot from the Jetsons, or was it...
2: And I can't remember what I said. I said something... Um, and we I agreed on
0: it. We agreed on whatever you said it was, and we were both wrong. <laughs> <laughs>
2: And I'm okay with that. Uh, that I wasn't an expert on Pee Wee Herman. I'll, I'll take that. Okay. I'll accept okay. that. But the chair's name was Cherry, and that was from our friend Commodore Chronicles. Adam. Yeah, Adam. That's right. Um, yeah. How, how hard is that, Cherry? Cherry, exactly. And and right when I remember seeing that, I think it was you know on Discord or Twitter. He uh Right when he said that, I was like, that's right. I yeah. totally remember that. Totally makes sense. And I remember it now. Here's
0: what's sad. When he said that on Twitter, what blew my mind is my entire life as a kid watching that show, I always thought yeah. his name was Sherry, like a woman named Sherry. And it yeah. like just clicked now at, at 39. Oh, it's a chair called Chair E.
2: Like, you literally <laughs> just add a Y or an EY at the end of chair and you have the name. My life yeah.
0: was flipped upside down at that moment uh
2: <laughs> caught
0: myself on this next one i was talking about gran turismo of old and how you'd go from a cheap car to like a, a less cheap car and it, it took hours and felt like a big upgrade and i referenced right. the nissan fit which is not a car a honda fit is a car a honda uh, fit is a car That's not right. a, not That's a right. nissan fit um although i the have nissan a hard time l- l- i have a hard time fitting the into leaf. Some, some some nissans like the leaf yes
2: yeah
0: Um, and then last, I just wanted to point out, no one's mentioned this, uh, but just want to make sure everyone understood the, uh, the really bad, hilarious, well, hilarious to me, patron songs that I've been enjoying putting, putting together. Uh, I've been, um, arranging the lyrics and putting effects on things and doing harmonies. I am not creating the music itself, so I just want to make sure that it's clear. I'm using canned, uh, public, public (laughs) use music. I am, yeah, I am chopping it up so that I can put a chorus where I want it and things like that. So, there's some art. Yeah, but I mean you're a good
2: musician. It. I mean, if you wanted to, you could. If we had all the time in the world, you could. I just but, wanted to uh, point out
0: that uh, you know, some people yeah. in here know that I do play some instruments and stuff, but no I'm, I'm I'm not making all that music every time. I would I would be a mess. And um, some great
2: feedback you got recently related to that is that um our good friend and longtime uh supporter Henrik Ladafarge L-l-l-fool. Is that right? I said, oh, little fool. That's right. I, why did I from little Because you
0: forgot those seven uh, silent consonants.
2: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but no, I, he reached out and through Patreon and actually uh, gave us some feedback. And I thought it was really, really cool. He said he's been loving your songs and he wants an album. He wants you to come out with a collection, if you will, of those songs. So maybe down the road, you could throw that together. That would be an awesome thing.
0: For only 99.99, you can buy the four vinyl (laughs) set of pixel guide N music. There's going to be two two songs on each side.
2: For you, Henrik, that will be like, what is it? (laughs) 9,000 euros. Does that sound about right? Is it euros? I don't know. I don't don't know. know. I don't think they have euros.
0: Anyway, um, Denmark. Um, that, that that sorry the side tangent. I bought an album because we Eric and I. Uh, if you guys listen, both Eric and I like to buy vinyl. We've been yes. collecting vinyl. Eric longer than I have for sure. But uh, I recently bought an album, a new album, um, and regular you know full size album it looks like all the other ones I have. I literally have over a hundred other albums. Um, I put it on my on my my uh, phonograph <laughs> and play it. And it's the slowest version of the song I've ever heard in my life. And I'm like, is this running at 45 RPMs? And it's a 78. It okay. size like a 78. But then sure enough, I looked at the the cover in very small letters. It said 45. Yeah. I've never had that on anything. And yeah,
2: I have. I just ha- I got that from, there's a guy on Twitter I follow named Nick Vivid and his new album, I threw it on. It's a full size album. It's like it got translucent red vinyl, which is really cool. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I'm really gonna enjoy this. And I've been listening to his stuff on MP3, um, but I got it on vinyl finally. I throw it on there, and all of a sudden, I'm listening to it. And I'm going, like, Why is this so? This doesn't sound right. It sounds muddy and slow. And uh, sure enough, it's a it, even though it's a large, regular size record. Yep. It's not the same speed. So.
0: so I guess, I mean, you're going to 45, which is slower. So I guess the yep. idea is you can sh- shove a whole album onto one piece of vinyl. Whereas if you had a 78, you'd have to get two two, two platters of vinyl, right? Right. Yep. To, I've never run into that. I typically have seen double albums, but I guess that does make sense. Problem is, I got one of these uh, hipster phono. I keep calling them a phonograph record player turntables whatever you want to call them where you have yeah. to like take the thing half apart and move the belt to a different pulley and put thing back together to change the rpms
2: oh man I just have a little switch <laughs>
0: yeah so it takes a while and then I have to like wax my mustache and ride off on my unicycle uh, with my hipster turntable so anyways um yeah we have, we have two pieces of uh, errata. <laughs> Not a lot of feedback. Very errata-heavy. People like to be right, Eric.
2: (laughs) They do. They do indeed. So, let's start out with Retro Gamer Nation. He said that a small errata item, the judging for Reset64 craptastic competition, has not been completed. I think I said that maybe it had been. I I don't remember. One of us might have said that. It actually commenced yesterday with final results to be announced before the end of this year. So... There's still time for to get in on those, play those games, and see how they're judged towards the end of the year.
0: And I did play some of those. We'll talk about that next episode.
2: Awesome. I haven't played any of them yet, so I want to get in get in on them. So I'm eager to hear what you have to say. Maybe and you can chaff the wheat. Is that what they say? Chaff? Is that a saying?
0: Is that uh, chaff the wheat for me? Separate the the chaff from the wheat, the wheat from the chaff. Yes.
2: Sure. Let's say that. Yeah. Something okay. like that. Here's one from Pack Billy on Pack from our Discord. Billy? He says, "Huh, Pack Billy, Pack Billy, yep." <laughs> hey guys, thanks for mentioning Guildmaster Gratuitous Subtitle, which is a game that he gave me a free code for on Steam. Uh-huh. On your latest episode, you mentioned that I wrote it, which I did. I did because that's what I assumed. I, I assumed he wrote it. To be clear, I did not write the game itself. Jimmy plays games, also known as Jim makes games, also known as Jim Baker wrote the game and I wrote the dialogue and collaborated on the story. So, so he wrote he was it, but a, he
0: wrote the story of it.
2: Yes. Yes. And so, words. They, well, he was a contributor to the game. So, yeah. uh, but that's good to know. And we want to give credit where credit is due, yeah. but I do thank pack Billy for that. I've been busy with the, with homework for pixel guidance. So I didn't, haven't gotten to playing it yet, but it is right up my alley. It's a turn-based strategy game. So, I'm I am all in it when I get some time.
0: Very cool. I haven't, I haven't thought about checking that one out yet, so I need to. Yeah, he wrote the uh, he wrote the story while Jim Baker wrote the code. See, they're both yes. writing things. Yep. Uh, Eric, cool. let's go ahead and let everyone know how they can get a hold of us.
3: You can get show information on our podcast at pixelguiden.com. You can also listen to our show on the Amigos Retro Gaming Network at anchor.fm forward slash Amigos podcast. You can reach us on Twitter using pixel underscore guide M. you can reach eric at the project that's at d-u-h-p-r-o-j-e-c-t and you can reach cody at oddball which is at oddba one you can also reach me that's tim at Sanxian, and that's at s-a-n-x-i-o-n Please review us on iTunes or Apple Podcasts or any of the other podcatchers that you use. It really helps us out. You can email us on podcast at pixelguiden.com and we'd love any feedback. And also, please let us know if we've done anything wrong and we'll mention it on the next show.
0: We also have a Patreon account set up, so if you wish to support the show financially, you can do so at patreon.com forward slash pixelguiden. You can support us with as little as a dollar all the way up to infinite dollars. If you do so, you'll get access to the Amigos Retro Network Discord server, where all kinds of cool chat is happening about not only our show, but the other shows such as Bright Castle and, of course, the Amigos um, amongst other shows. And there's various other topics in there. Um, everything from for sale to music to uh, high score contests, things like that. If you support us at the $3 or more tier, we like to announce every supporter at that level here on the show in a way that we can only do here on Pixel And using our random adjective generator. And this month on Pixel and we're chilling at the club. The frightened Roy
1: Pildeen and the subdued Josh Malone, the ab Brian Arsene the wakeful Daniel and James, the brainy Chen Mark and the abrasive Eric Sandgren. Administrated Henrik Lopo, financial Matthew Ackerman, colorful Matthias Snowski and the unequal paratroid. Pixel, 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 Pixel Guiding, 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 Guiding You're the ones who make it possible To hear your Pixel, 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 Pixel Guiding The noisy Mitsuyama and the unfair David Vincent The 80 and stiller and the milky Mr. Toast the abiding Jason Holland and the sparkling Mark Scott The educational Paul Jacobson and the hospitable Emmy West With all these people mentioned, there's one more we've got The disturbed Ram-O-K, Ram-O-K, are you the worst or best? Pixel, 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 pixel Guiding, 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 guiding You're the ones who make it possible to hear your pixel, 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 pixel guidance.
2: This month on Eric's Take, I wanted to cover a recent purchase of mine, the Ever SD. It is a cartridge that is for the Evercade that allows you to put an SD card in it and run games of your own on here. And you can run emulators individually, uh, which I haven't tried yet. Or you can install RetroArch on it, which is what I did, and I've been very happy with it. So I kind of wanted to talk about that a little bit. Uh, But the first thing... I think would that would be helpful would be to back up a little bit and talk about the evercade in case there is someone out there that still doesn't know what this thing is and I wanted to talk a little bit about some interesting conversations I've had on discord as well as on Twitter about the evercade in general a lot of kind of negativity about it uh and especially about the ever s d like what's the point what's the point of having this Console that is a cartridge-based collectible console, and then kind of spoil it with a SD card solution where you can put any game you want on it. And I wanted to address that too because I have some different thoughts on that. Um, so anyway, let's let's back up a little bit, and and I'll just I'm gonna talk about this pretty much based on my history with the Evercade. Uh, the Evercade, the first Evercade I got was the handheld model, the old one. There's a new one out called the EXP now, which is big, has a big, super bright screen, looks really slick. Uh, but I got the original, the original one uh, quite a while ago. And the whole reason I got it was I thought it was very cool, uh, kind of their whole concept, which was have a gaming console. And at this time, it was a handheld system only. And have cartridges that have collections of games on them, so rarely in fact you you typically do not have a cartridge with one game on it. It has at least two games there's some indie ti- some indie titles cartridges I'm sorry indie cartridges that have a couple of titles on them, but mainly they're like collections like the Atari Collection or the Commodore 64 collection, which is a, a brand new one coming out soon. Um, and they have many games on them, 10, 12, 15, uh, just depends on the cartridge. Um, they have a lot of cool arcade uh, cartridges, like from Data East and, and things like that. They have a lot of uh, um, collections based on manufacturers, like they're sensible, like a sensible one. Um, I have about 13 of the cartridges now, and I, I think it's really... I just think it's a I just think it's a lot of fun. It's a throwback. I get why some people think that it's kind of pointless to have games that you can get on other platforms and have it on this dedicated console. but evercade does go out of their way to make these things look really nice on your shelf they're They're in clamshell cases that have in fact they're i don't even know if you'd call them clamshell cases they're a little thicker. they kind of remind me almost of v h s tape cases, but a little smaller. And they always have a manual inside, and they have a cartridge. So it just hits all the spots for me, uh, nostalgia-wise, as well as just being a pretty cool thing. Uh, I understand you can play these games somewhere else, and sometimes probably on better platforms or whatever, but I thought it was novel, and, and and I like it. So, So that's that. And then Evercade announced that they were coming out with a console that you could plug into a TV, and... It had some neat features. It was called the Evercade Versus. And once this thing came out, I I was hooked. I, I, it, it's got four USB ports in the front so that you can have up to four controllers plugged into it. It has two cartridge ports. So what it does is it, you can put a cartridge in either port and it will take the games off of that cartridge and put them on the menuing system on the screen. And if you had a second cartridge, it adds them to the same menuing thing. So you could have 30 games up there on the screen with two cartridges inside. Uh, I thought that was really cool. Um, Another thing is like the, that menuing system I'm talking about uh, some very cool features like uh, save states, uh, a description of the game, as well as it shows you a picture of the controller and tells you what the controls are right on the screen. Uh, I just think that's really, really a, a neat setup. So yeah, the Evercade versus was a game changer because now you could plug it into a TV and you have this mini consoles console that plays a lot of these collection of games. So anyway, there's that. And that's what I have now. I came across this article that talked about the ever SD and it is kind of a development cartridge for the Evercade. It allows people to kind of test their own code on the Evercade. So if you're writing games and you want to test them or convert them, you can use this cartridge. Uh, this is from a company, I believe they're in the Netherlands. I want to say that they're from the Netherlands. Um, and once I saw this I was intrigued because I do end up getting uh EverDrives and and um Flashmaster and a bunch of other multi like SD card multi-carts for all the consoles I have. It's just a nice convenient way to store all your games on there. Um and, and, I, and uh, so it, I was intrigued. So I went and did some research on this and I decided to order it and you can order it on the website as well. Uh, it is eversd.com. SD dot com. Um, and it really wasn't it, when you the, the, at least the one I ordered comes with the cartridge, uh, which kind of has this really nice 3D printed case. It's just it's shaped just like a regular Evercade cartridge. And the one I came came with this thing that it looks like a little octopus connector. It basically plugs into your Evercade versus and gives you the ability to use your own controllers. Uh, and it looks like a little squid. It's got like four different controller ports. Um, and I haven't even tested this thing out yet, so I want to, but I'm going to I've been saving that for later. Um So I went ahead and ordered it and it's about 40 euros for the cartridge. Mine came bundled with a, the USB multiplayer hub. Uh, But anyway, I I thought 40 euros that's not that bad. I mean, I've played, paid a lot more for EverDrives and things like that. And uh, it came fairly quickly. I think it was about two weeks, two and a half weeks later I I received it and then um, decided I wanted to get it up and running. But, before I get into that, I wanted to talk a little bit about some of the discussions I had because people, okay, so, well, I'm, I'm get, getting ahead of myself here. Let's talk about why you want would want this if you're not a developer. Well, you can install emulators and RetroArch on here, so you can install anything you want, but you get the, still the nice menuing system. You get graphics of the games on on this menuing system. You get save states. Uh, multiple emulators. It's basically RetroArch on the Ever SD, uh, and the Ever as the Evercade versus a very cool console. It's 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 fairly small, can fit under a TV or on top of a TV or whatever. So it's a very cool way to hook up to a regular TV and play these games. And that's enough reason for me. But anyway, I get online and on Discord and Twitter and people just came out and none of them were mean about it or anything but they said well what's the point i thought this thing was for collecting cartridges and you're kind of defeating the the purpose well first of all you do have to patch your evercade to get this ever sd to work so you basically put your evercade in this mode uh you install uh you put the the different firmware on the ever sd you hold these two buttons down and it loads the firmware. Um I, I'm sorry, you don't do that. You plug it into your computer with, with a USB cable, and you hold these buttons down on the Evercade and you flash a new firmware. The the firmware, once done, allows you to use the Ever SD cartridge, but it doesn't change anything else. You can still run your cartridges. I still play the same old cartridges I played. They play exactly the same. There's no problems at all. So, you're not giving up anything by patching your Evercade. And by the way, this works for the Evercade versus as well as the handheld one. So, you can do everything I'm talking about on the handheld or the console. So, you get the best of both worlds. You can still use the cool cartridges, and you can still use the Ever SD and launch RetroArch or individual emulators or whatever you want. So people, um, so basically I had that discussion with people like, hey, you're not losing anything. You're just gaining the ability to run etro- RetroArch on yet another platform. And I get it. You can run RetroArch on Raspberry Pi. You can run it on PC. You can run it on these little Ambernick devices that I have. Uh, I have a little Game Boy clone that runs RetroArch. I, I have about 100 different ways to run RetroArch. I don't care. I want to run it on whatever is in front of me. And that more likely lately has been the Evercade versus because I've been playing it a lot. I really like the controller that comes with the Evercade versus. It feels more retro to me, even though it's a modern controller, it feels more retro. Uh, It has special buttons on it to get to the menu where you can quickly do game saves. It's just a very handy. So think of it this way. All these little mini consoles that have been coming out, like the SNES and the Genesis and stuff like that, they're all really cool, but they do have the controller that comes with it. So you're stuck with the Genesis controller or you're stuck with the Super Nintendo controller or whatever you want um, or whatever whatever you have with that mini console. And those mini consoles can be hacked six ways from Sunday and RetroArch or some other type of front end can be popped on these things and you can run emulators of different things all day long. The Evercade versus isn't any different. I mean, you can, it's the same thing, but it's in a nicer, to me, a nicer physical package. Like it, it is, a, the console looks nice. It's not as small as the minis, so it's a little bigger. It can plug in, you can plug in more controllers. You can plug into up to four controllers on this. Um, so, there is a lot of upside to me. I, I, I think it's a beautiful system to hook up to a big TV to play not only the Evercade cartridges, but now with RetroArch. So I wanted to talk a little bit about that. Now, this by no means is a tutorial on how to get the EverSD up and working. I'm just going to kind of talk in broad strokes here and tell you where you can go to find the information you need to make this work and i'll tell you some of the pitfalls i ran into there weren't many and once i got past them overall this is a very easy kind of thing to get up and working so you get the ever sd uh cartridge and you you want to grab an sd card i think it supports if i remember right it supports up to um I don't remember. I know you have to put fat 32 on there and there's a limit on there. So whatever that limit is. And I think there are tricks if you go on to their discord and that's my first kind of big tip here is get, join the ever SD discord. And if you go to Eversd.com and just kind of look through their website, you will find a link to the discord and you must join that because it will tell you everything. The instructions I'm about to talk about are on their discord. There are friendly forums on there where they will help you if you run into problems. So the Discord is going to help you make this work. Anyway, you get the you format the the SD card and then you download a um, thing on here called the Ever Patcher. And so I'm going to talk about the verses because I haven't. I honestly haven't even hacked my or patched up my uh handheld. I don't think I'm going to I think I'm just going to leave that because honestly I play more on the console than the handheld. So this is all based on my verses. You take the verses over to your computer, you plug it in via USB. You hold some buttons down and the instructions are on the Discord and you download Everpatcher versus 2.2.0 and you will you download that for Windows and then you install it. And I don't know. You might be able to get this to work on Mac or whatever. I, I really have no idea. I just used a Windows machine, and it worked fine. The patch worked. There were really wasn't much to do. I mean, you 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 basically install the firmware on there. It works, and you're good to go. Then from there, that's when you start to have to kind of dive into some things here. You. Yeah, let's see here. You um, you go into the driver directory on there and you click install driver. Uh, that is going to install the driver on your PC to actually recognize the Evercade versus. You install the driver and then you have to connect a micro USB cable that connects to the verses to your PC. Okay. Now, That was the first pitfall, is the first USB cable. So first of all, I did this. I installed the driver, and it said it couldn't find my device. And so um, it it just didn't work. And so I then, the instructions on the Discord now do explain that um, you have to use a data cable. It can't be just for, like, powering your cell phone. It has to contain the wiring inside of that cable to do data transfer. And so once I switched out my, and this took me like an hour to figure out, I was banging my head against the desk trying to figure this out. So uh, now they have it in the instructions. Back when I did this, there was no word on that. I had to just kind of figure this out myself. Make sure you have the right cable. If it, if it doesn't find it, then... Uh, that's what your problem is. You need a new cable. So anyway, you put the verses into flash mode by holding down the gray button on the back side of your verses while powering it on, and then there's a white light on the front that starts to flash. Uh, you run this program called Z-A-D-I-G 2.7. Um, you select options and list all devices, and then you select Rock USB device and click on replace driver. Now, again, I don't want to get into too much detail because all these instructions are just on the website, but I want to tell you the pitfalls I run into. So... I did that. And then I ran into my second pitfall and now it's in the instructions. So again, if you read the instructions, you're going to be just fine. And this is going to take you all of about 10 minutes. So, um, you basically select rock USB device and then what happens is if it's your first time running, it might give you an error message, which mine absolutely did about root FS um, if that happens, you just run the program again and select USB-MSC instead of Rock USB device, and say replace drivers, and boom, it's done. It'll patch your system, and it doesn't. It's not going to look like your Evercade is any different. It's still going to boot up. It's still going to take cartridges, but now when you pop in the Ever SD card, it will recognize it. So now what do you do? Well, you go back to the website, and you download the RetroArch. Uh, I think it's 1.10.0, and you install RetroArch. You, You don't even install it. You just copy it to the SD card, and then once you do that, you pop it in, and you run it. Now, at this point, I ran into my third gotcha. Mine wasn't formatted in FAT32. It has to be FAT or FAT32. It can't be NTFS. It can't be ext fat. It has to be fat 32. Once I did that it worked now if you're Sad because that means that you can't run a big SD card there are on the discord there are people that are on there that have kind of workaround and hacks to Still format in fat 32 and make it a bigger partition on the card I didn't feel a need to do that because the way that I'm going to use mine is I'm just going to throw maybe three three to five games on here that I'm going to focus on probably for the podcast or just playing for fun. And then I'm going to take those off and put other ones on there. I'm not basically building a big retro arch library on this SD card. That's the way I'm going to use my Evercade. That way I can focus on particular games uh and not kind of play that game where i'm flipping around games which is what i end up doing a lot and uh it's not very productive so anyway once you have fat 32 and you copy that which is what i figured out i just got a i made smaller partition i formatted fat 32 then i was able to copy retroarch on here retroarch boots up and it's empty because there's no games on it. it doesn't come with any games So now you want to put games on here. You can just copy them to the folders, but there's an even easier way. On the Evercade website, or I'm sorry, EverSD website, there is a little program that they've cobbled together called Everloader 2.1.4. You download this Everloader, and it is basically a front end where you take your ROMs, you point ever loader to it it identifies the game it then goes out on the internet scrapes artwork and all this good stuff and descriptions and everything and then you can just download a bunch of roms and, and tell it to go and scrape for all of them and then you hit transfer and it will just transfer them all sorting them into the right folders for the right emulators and so far it works really well has a nice picture of the box art right there on the screen. Really beautiful. I think now I haven't messed with it too much right now because, honestly, I just did this not that long ago, and I haven't had a time to tinker with it a lot. I mean, it absolutely works. I've played several games on here with it. but And by the way, so far the performance is fantastic. I haven't run any emulator glitches. I'm not running anything above, of course, 16-bit consoles, and I don't really plan on it. I don't have a need to do that. Uh, But basically, you can go in there and you can add uh, button mapping. So you can map your buttons to the game. Uh, You can change the cartridge names if you want to. Um, You can do all sorts of things in here. Just you're going to want to tinker with Everloader. It's a very slick package that they've they have on here for free. So go to EverSD and download that Everloader, and then you'll be set. You just transfer your games, and there you go. You don't have to use RetroArch. You can download individual emulators. Like, let's say you just want to have the Evercade just play Super Nintendo games. You can just put a Super Nintendo emulator on there, and then you can just drag and drop your your things over to the SD card, pop it in there, and you're good to go. But I really wanted that nice RetroArch front-end. Now, if you go to the Ever SD website, you'll see a ton of utilities like migrating from older versions of, you know, like if you patched yours, then another, you know, you, you had to patch it again because Ever uh, Evercade came out with a different firmware or whatever. You can, all, there's all sorts of tools on here to get you going. But remember, join the Discord. There's a lot of great information on here. So now I have Best of Both Worlds. I'm using SD card on the Evercade and I'm also still buying and still really enjoying their custom uh, collections that they offer. So anyway, I hope you found this useful and it piques your interest in the SD. It's a pretty affordable uh, SD card solution for the Evercade. Thank you for listening this month. And if you are interested in doing this, please don't hesitate to reach out to me and ask me more detailed questions. I'll be happy to help you get this up and running. You can uh, reach me, of course, at email at uh, PixelGuiden. Uh, I'm sorry, podcast at pixelguiden.com. Or what's better probably is just reach out on Twitter to me. I am dubproject, d-u-h-project.com. See you next month. Cody Corner!
0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to Cody's Corner for the month of August 2022. I wanted to um, go over a list that I actually just made for myself. Thought it might be interesting for some of the listeners to uh, to see what I have in my backlog of projects to complete. Um, these are items that I know I, I well I I feel confident that I can complete. They are not in uh, the aforementioned uh, you know box of broken dreams as we like to call it here on the show. Uh, you know the the box full of things that you've tried to fix and failed multiple times and gave up on. Um, <clears throat> but I, I was kind of making sure some of these things didn't fall off my radar. So I decided to write them down, hoping to, you know, maybe check off one or two of these a month. Um, so, yeah, let's just go over it real quick. The, the main item on my list is one that's been bothering me for a long time. And, in fact, uh, because I'm not completely positive I can do this one, um, I went ahead and bought myself a SCART solution to go to an HDI, HDMI monitor uh, solution instead. But basically, my all of my Amiga computers... Uh, all of the good ones, I should say. I have a, I do have a 500, which is a great computer, um, but it only connects to uh, my CRT, which is typically the way I like to play games, anyways. But when it comes to the Amiga with its high resolution output, you, you know, a lot of times the CRT you can't even read a lot of the text. Things are fuzzy that really can't be fuzzy. Um, they're not designed to go on a CRT like a Commodore 64 is. Um, so I do own a couple Amiga monitors and both of them have issues. If you'll remember, I had one that I bought a long time ago, uh, that worked for a long period of time and now it displays a yellow image. It's like, it's like it's missing one of the, uh, the three colors, you know, red, green and blue. It's almost like one of those colors just isn't working. Don't know exactly what the issue is thinking it might be a bad solder joint, something like that. So I need to get in there and, and fix that. Um, my computers have been; the, those monitors have not been plugged in or powered up for over a year, so I feel confident being able to go in there without too much concern of the high voltages at the capacitors. But I'm still going to be cautious and and do what I can to ground things and, and try to, to make sure there's no no danger there. I have the, another one here that um, Jerry Gray from the Amiga uh South, or Southwest, the uh, uh, Sacramento Amiga Club, um, actually provided for me, which I am really appreciative for. It actually has a little sticky note on it still that says Jessica Rabbit because out of the bunch of monitors he, he was uh, in charge of it was the prettiest of the bunch. So that monitor um, also does have a great picture. It looks really good, but it will uh, well at first it was intermittent and now I, it won't even show a picture. The picture would just cut out. Uh, so once again, I'm thinking it's uh, you know probably some old solder points. Hopefully that's all it is and I can just kind of reflow the solder and be fixed. But same issue, i got to get in there and do some solder work. So hoping to fix those so I can use some of my other Amigas I love. Now, I do have a CD32, so this has not become quite as important to me because my CD32 uh, Amiga to play games on, which is all I do with computers is I play games on them, um, that Tim helped me get over here, um, as well as Eric helped to kind of fix up for me as well. It's become my main Amiga games machine, so I can play play the games and stuff. So... um, but a project I need to get back to. The next one I had uh, is an interesting one. It's for the NES, and it's just a fun project I've been wanting to do. Uh, I was kind of hoping to get through some other stuff that's more urgent first, but it's a it's a simple mod for the NES. Um, one of the first episodes of Pixel Guide in I talked about some of the mods you can do for an NES that you probably should do um, or might want to do, include refreshing the pins, uh, the 72 pin connector, uh, bypassing the uh, the kind of lame piracy protection um, feature inside the NES that makes the purple flashing screen, things like that. But there's one mod I haven't done, and it has to do with the audio for the NES uh, compared to the audio for the Famicom. So the NES in, uh, you know, America and PAL regions, things like that, um, has a sound chip that has five uh, sound channels on it. And I couldn't tell you off the top of my head which type of sound channels they each were. There's like a triangle and a couple of uh, different waves and a a digital sound. Anyways, there's five channels on it, um, which is the same as the Japanese Famicom. However, the Japanese Famicom has a, uh, essentially, if you want to call it that, a pass-through, another another, um, trace in it, so that when outside uh companies decided to make games with more sounds they put a a new sound chip in the actual game cartridges themselves uh and they could add up to in some cases three additional um sound channels and the you know it was generated on the cartridge passed through uh the actual famicom and then out to the audio channel so they had up to eight channels if you know certain games that did it that way so with a simple, um, it's, I think it's just one resistor between two points in your NES, you can open up that avenue to allow those games to play those sounds through that channel. And of course, I have an Ever, uh, EverDrive, so I have uh, you know access to all those games, but I can't hear the music in its full glory. So that'd be a fun one to, to finish up, and I definitely want to get that done. Um, if you've heard of me talking for the last month or two about my new color computer, Tandy Color Computer 2 that I have... I need to get that thing fixed up and running. That's already a mid-project pro- uh, thing. I'm, I'm trying to get enough information to know what to do next, honestly. And uh, a- assuming I get that done, I want to do an AV mod on the color computer too as well because it is RF out only and it's just simply not usable um, outside of like the one or two small 13-inch TVs I have, which isn't going to do the system justice, so... Gonna have to put some AV mods there so I can plug in some, you know, the the red, yellow, and white, uh, you know, audio/video cables to plug into my my larger CRT televisions. Uh, one we talked about a while back, actually, uh, Eric did a full video on this, uh, if I remember correct. I think uh, Gakagami on Twitter uh, did an interview. Uh, Eric did an interview with him, and they they talked about it. But it's basically uh, I have this Ouya. If you remember the Ouya uh, Kickstarter video game console that was uh, a big deal what was it now eight ten years ago, um, and people have actually uh, without going through all the details or full understanding of it recreated the Ouya store, so it's available to you. Um, so I, I need to get my Ouya out of the box. Actually, plug it in, which I have not done yet. I do own it, <laughs> and I have the cool controller with it. Uh, plug it in. Uh, I'm going to need to jailbreak it. Not sure how to do that yet. Gonna have to go on the internet and figure that one out. And then, um, or listen to our previous episode of Pixel Guide and, and do it. And then um, hop on the newly available Ouya store recreated. Uh, so you can go, hop on there and get the games that were available back when the store was still alive. Uh, Very cool project there, and I do want to hop into that one. Uh, Really quickly, uh, we talk a lot about computers uh, like the Commodore 64, uh, the VIC-20, computers like that, that have games from all kinds of uh, different modern developers now. Well, the the C16 is starting to get some love, uh, and the Plus 4, which are essentially essentially the same computer uh, circuitry-wise. But my Plus 4... Uh, has a bug I've talked about in the past where it, it turns up and it runs. Programs will start, but there's little artifacts on the screen, little glitches. And I'm guessing it's a RAM issue. But it's funny. Some of the games that I'm able to get, get running, you know, the game will be running fine. The character will literally run into that pixel or two that's glitching and die. Like it triggers a hit detection, so really it messes up everything. And I haven't really been able to fully play anything on the uh, Plus Four yet. So. I'm going to get that out. Um, I think I want to start trying to fix it by just piggybacking some RAM over the RAM that exists in there and see if that fixes stuff. I heard that might be a fix. Um, Hopefully it doesn't blow things up in my face as well. Uh, A simple one is my, going even more old school, my ZX80, which is the predecessor to the Sinclair ZX Spectrum. Um, there was a ZX80 and a ZX81, um, sorry, mine's an 81, ZX81. Anyways, I've never actually got it out of the box and plugged in. Again, it's an RF only output, so I have to kind of take the time to get that TV out and plug it all in and get up and running. Um, luckily mine is the Canadian model, so it is set up for NTSC, so I should be able to play it on any of my TVs, um, and I've got the little expansion pack. So I should be able to make that thing run, but haven't tried it yet. So just want to get that one out and running. And in a similar uh, vein, um, ever since my big Macintosh haul, I really kind of figured that there's one computer, one Macintosh, I really just want to lean into and use. Um, well, there's two. Uh, the 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 plus, the Macintosh Plus, I already own. Had it since I was a kid. Used that thing. Loved that thing. Um, but I have this floppy emu that uh, allows you to put Macintosh software on Macintoshes. Um, And I really want to just start loading everything onto the Macintosh I have permanently set up here, which is a Macintosh LC2, I believe. Um, So step one is I need to do some research, see how powerful the LC2 really is, um, see if it will play the stuff I really want to play. Obviously, all the old black and white stuff should be just fine. um, But I remember playing growing up a few games when I had a... A, uh, a more powerful Color Mac. Not sure where the LC2 falls in line with those, um, but I would love to play games like Marathon again, which I haven't played for a long time, uh, and, a f- and a few other games that I grew up playing on my Macintosh. And I think part of that, too, is going to be getting um, a hard drive replacement, so a SCSI 2SD, for example, where I can pull out the existing spinning rust hard drive, as Tim likes to call it, and, and pop in a, an SD card hard drive solution. Um, those are actually all the projects, I believe, that I can think of right now. I have another a uh, number of other things to get to, um, but for as far as playing games, those are the majority of them. I've got lots of extra computer parts for Commodores and Ataris. Uh, you know, I could try to put another computer or two together, but I've got running ones here, so that's kind of auxiliary. And then, of course, my Fairchild Channel F, which is in my box of broken dreams, um, I'm not going to be the one to fix it. I've tried it. It does have a signal. I can tell that it is working and playing games. They're just not displaying cleanly. Um, and they're barely visible on a fuzzy screen on a TV. Um, but, you know, the logic's working. So that is uh, the, the upcoming list of projects that Cody has at this point for the actual game playing systems themselves. Um, have a few things I need to do for the podcast here. Uh, as far as like setting up this new computer I bought two months ago and still still just haven't plugged it in and getting all the software over. just sounds like a boring task with no real result other than uh, that new computer, in theory, will last longer than this current computer I'm recording on, which sounds like it's about to fall apart. So that being said, uh, hopefully next month when I talk to you, I'll have an update on at least one of these items, and I will tell you about it when we catch up in june july august september i have to go through all the months and i'll see you guys then eric i enjoyed listening to both of us self-flatulate which is an actual (laughs) dictionary word that sounds a lot worse than it is
2: yeah it does (laughs) it sounds like i just ate some beans and rice
0: (laughs) but we just um like to talk about ourselves what can i say at least i did i was just sitting there talking about my projects um <laughs> <laughs> well let's get to stuff that's not just about us, it's about the entire world, Eric, because although it's not necessarily news, it's still time for the news
1: <laughs>
0: Reporting the news <laughs> And we're gonna hop right on to, into the news with uh, a little entry from a listener of the show and a sponsor of the show, to be completely honest with you, right?
2: Yeah, that's right. From Frank, from Retro Rewind. Um, He wanted uh, us to, well, I mean, he wanted us to tell people this, but I think it's really, really cool. He says, we are one of the show sponsors and we will be at the event selling stuff. World of Retro Computing Expo in Kitchener, Ontario, in Canada. And he will be there on August twenty eighth from noon to five. That's the information I have. Is that right, Cody? That yeah, right? I,
0: I typed that all in there. So yeah, I I, I got the, okay. uh, the the flyer up here. So yeah, the World of Retro Computing Expo. Which I'm looking at the flyer. It's only a five hour expo, so very short. So yeah. get there at twelve and stay there till five. Um,
2: can I lo- and- can I can I be honest with you? I kind of like that. I kind of like that. It's a short one. It's not some weekend it- event. It's not some three day thing with a bunch of. Get peoples. out of here,
0: Eric, with your With your FOMO. You don't want to miss a, se- a second, so you only want it to be five hours long.
2: That's right. I get, I can take it all in. Five hours, boom, we're done. I got gotcha, you. I got gotcha. you.
0: Um, yeah, so you can check it out. Of course, go to our show, lo- uh, show notes. Take the, check the link. But if you want to check it out, you can also go to worldofretrocomputing.com. On Twitter, at W-O-R-C-Expo. And uh, the one with the little camera, what is that? Uh, <laughs> Instagram. Instagram, at World of Retro Computing. So check it out. Free entry. I like that part of it. That's a big one.
2: <laughs> How come you're the young guy and you can't figure out these social medias?
0: Because I I fail at them. That's all I can say.
2: They all suck, so anyway. <laughs> it's fine. Get off my lawn. <laughs>
0: um, Eric, one of my favorite developers... Which is what's that? No, go ahead. I thought I thought you were saying something uh, poignant and, and, and impressive. I wasn't um, saying anything. Way forward.
2: I I don't know what it was. Like a ghost on the on the mic or something.
0: Yeah, I think that was Tim actually trying to call in in his dreams,
2: <laughs> trying to trying to crash the party. <laughs>
0: uh, Way forward Games, who makes all kinds of amazing two uh, D games. They're just great. They make some good three D ones too, but uh, primarily. 2D powerhouse, in my opinion. Love these guys. They came out with games such as Shantae. Uh, More recently, The Mummy Demastered was one I loved. Um, Anyways, they're coming out with a game, all new original IP, which is my favorite because they go nuts. It's called Spider Sores. Spider Sores, yeah. (laughs) You know, why not? Spider Sores. It's part of Apple Arcade, apparently. But I believe it is also coming out on all of the uh, the major consoles as well. I'm trying to show you a video here so you can watch along with me. Is this one of those things where they. Oh, no, they did embed it. Here we go. Yeah. Um, but there you go. Way forward. See, when I see that, I just see quality. Um, yeah. Got some anime cutscenes here, which honestly, not my favorite. Not, not big into the anime. But here's the gameplay. And it is like run and gun, a hand drawn art extravaganza explosion with ridiculous stuff like flying dinosaur spiders that explode in the air and turn into goo and um it's way forward so i'm way into it
2: it looks kind of like a um would you would you call it a platformer or is it like a beat-em-up it's hard I, to tell I it running, left to right
0: i called it a run uh, and gun
2: okay yeah, that's like fair. A, Yep, like a contra work yep. yeah yeah
0: yeah, it's actually, yeah. Think, actually, now that I look at it, it looks very much like Contra, because they're even doing the um, the levels <laughs> where you uh, go up the the platforms up a tunnel.
2: Yep, and the triple fire coming from the gun. Yeah. That's a, definitely a Contra kind of thing.
0: Anyways, cool. I'm excited for that. I think that is cool. Um, one more thing I was going to touch on here, and uh, if you haven't heard about this, uh, you've been living under a rock, or just not into old stuff. Uh, Lego found a way to extort $240 from a lot of people. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and they're doing it by making a Lego kit where you put together an Atari 2600, complete with a controller, a wire that plugs in, uh, little cartridges, which are actually really cool, and then even um, these little like models of games such as Asteroids. And,
2: yeah, like a centipede. There's like a centipede dude, and there's... Yep. Centipede, Asteroids the, like the a castle
0: ship. from Adventure and
2: yeah yeah.
0: Um, when I see this, I go, man, that is really cool. Unfortunately, I already saw the price and I just laugh to myself. But I also laugh knowing there are people who spend way more money than this on Lego sets, and there are richer people who will also enjoy Legos, and they're going to buy this for two hundred and forty dollars. So.
2: Yeah, I mean, throw it out there, and people who want to buy it should buy it. Somebody out there might just have a lot of nostalgia for the Atari Twenty Six Hundred; means a lot to them and their brothers and sisters who played on it. And good for them. I won't pay two forty for it, but uh, I'm not a big Lego guy. So what?
0: What I do like two things. First of all, it's the original four switch rather than the six, the heavy sixer. Yeah, it's a the uh, yeah, heavy sixer would be would be cooler, but it's got the four the switch. The heavy
2: sixer would be cooler. Yeah, <laughs>
0: um, but something to note. But uh, I mean, honestly, I, I mean, I really dig this. I would love to own this. If I saw yes. this in the store at forty nine ninety nine, I would wait for it to go on sale until it was twenty five bucks, and then I'd buy it. Not two hundred forty <laughs> dollars.
2: That is. You're just hoping that it goes down from 240 to 25. Is that what you're saying to me?
0: I'm hoping that yeah, I go to a Target <laughs> and they accidentally move the decimal <laughs> over a point. Basically, is what I'm hoping 99. for. 23.99. 99 You know, and I'll even pay the extra penny because it's point nine rounded up will be a straight to uh, 24. I'll do it. Perfect. Um, yeah. Look at it, a- ages 18 and up because kids won't know what they're building.
2: Price aside, it does look really, does. really cool. Yeah, absolutely like it. does. Yep.
0: Uh, This is one I was excited about. Tell me about this one.
2: Yeah, because I I, I put this in there specifically for you because I don't have a Neo Geo, but you do. And this is Hyper Blaster. is coming to the Neo Geo. It's Envia 2 from the Amiga. Do you remember the Envia? Like, do you remember Envia? We we covered that on the show. I got it from my Amiga, and I played it, and it Mm -hmm. was awesome. It was a beautiful, um, what is it, horizontal shmup? uh and it yeah it, it, it i loved it it was great i loved playing it on the amiga now there's a second version coming but it is going to be on the neo geo as well so i don't know if it's coming to the amigas as well or maybe it is i don't know but if you take a look at the graphics smooth the silk chunky neo geo style graphics the amiga can't heaven. handle
0: What's can't more to handle say? the sprites and the the mega rams that the neo geo can eric there's no way they can make this backwards compatible i'm a a neo geo fanboy now um i will absolutely buy this on the neo geo it's funny you mentioned that because i remember thinking that i was going to get my amiga to work well for me and then it didn't so i had bought this for i think not this but the original one i think for like 15 dollars. to this day i have not played it um, oh, now really? that I have my CD 32, I'm gonna need to take the time to figure out how to get more games on my on my card. Yes, and uh, yes, and play that. So,
2: yeah, looks Excellent. solid. Big chunky yeah.
0: shmups, which is what I love about uh, arcade games and my Neo Geo in particular.
2: Yep. So hopefully you will pick that up and I come over and play it.
0: Um, this is this one's funny. So I I put this on here, Eric. This next item. Uh, because I found it hu- humorous and I wanted to laugh about it, and in the amount of time since I put it on here till now, which has been about ten days, okay. uh, this game apparently has blown up and everybody is obsessed with it. <laughs> this game, right,
2: I, I've, I heard about this, but I didn't. I haven't seen any videos. I haven't seen any gameplay, so I'm, I'm eager to, <laughs> see, to see what's going on here. So tell I me about this.
0: I just started laughing to myself. I'm like, what have video games become? And it was a game that was added free to the Xbox uh, Gold service i have so uh but i couldn't even get myself to download it, it just looks so dumb uh, but everybody is in love with power wash simulator that's right if you like doing chores at home you're gonna <laughs> love doing them virtually um also if you can't stand doing chores at home which most gamers <laughs> typically can't um you're gonna enjoy doing them while sitting on your butt you literally walk around and there's houses and streets and just Lots of area covered in like grime and filth, and you spray it off with a power washer, and it makes it sparkly and clean. That is the game, Eric. That
2: That's is the game. the game, and it the graphics look um, they look decent. I'm trying to find um, some the,
0: video so I could play it for you, but uh, I mean, yeah, I really it, don't even need to. I, I've watched some video. It is what it sounds like.
2: Yeah, there is a whole subreddit because I, I, I'm on Reddit quite a bit, and there's this whole subreddit about like satisfying. I forget the name of like the, the subreddit, but it's about this kind of stuff, like p- watching people do something and it gets restored and everybody's happy and it's so satisfying. Um, I think it might be called oddly satisfying. Uh, I think that's the subreddit. Um, but yeah, you know to put this in a game, I don't even know how you score. I mean, what do you, I, I see that there's money, a money value, I see that there's a percentage bar and per- percentage a way to get cleaned. different guns.
0: What is yeah, it? Yeah, I'm looking at... We're looking... At, I, I don't know. Maybe nozzles or something. I don't know. But uh, yeah, yeah we're, we're looking at, in this particular case, a uh, an old... Like, I mean, it's not old. It's, it looks like it's brand new. But for some reason, there's like slime all over it and like filth all over this playground. And you clean <laughs> the playground equipment off. And it shows you your percentage of cleaned. I guess you get paid for it. And um, I don't... I, I mean, I to a point, I get it. Like... I enjoy things where you can quickly, like, clean something off and all of a sudden something that looked really gross is, like, fresh and new and you're like, oh, that was nice, right? I get that to yeah. a point. Paying money to play a game where I just do that seems so creepy. I don't know how to say it better. <laughs> it's kind of it's like the whole... And, and again, to each their own, I'm not judging anybody, but to me, that seems creepy. It's kind of like ASMR where people just listen to sounds and go, ooh, ooh, sounds... And it just creeps me out,
2: you know? I do find ASMR stuff pretty creepy. I, I do, like, it doesn't do anything for me. Like I hear it, and it's like, I this isn't appealing in any way to me. But yep. I know a my, lot daughter's, of dig it.
0: my daughters, uh, both of them, like it's become a thing. It's like part of the, the society now. My daughters will say stuff all the time, like, ooh, I want to do that. It looks so satisfying. And I'm just like, ew. <laughs> 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 ew.
2: <laughs> Satisfaction is horrible.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, I don't.
2: It's disgusting. Wow.
0: Tell it like it is Mick Jagger. <laughs> Can't get no satisfaction. Anyways, power washing simulator is a thing.
2: Power washing simulator. <laughs> All right. So this next one, uh, man, I, th- I think this project is so cool. And I hope that someday it becomes a reality where I can just buy one or even a kit. Oh, yeah. Because like this thing looks like it wouldn't be that hard to put together. Um, I think right now it's just a guy who built one and... Maybe has the design out there. Honestly, the website has very, very little information, but it's on Hackaday. Um, this is called the Pico ZX Spectrum 128K. So what this is is a little board um, that is smaller than even the 48K machine. So imagine like the 48K ZX Spectrum, how small that is. But this one is fully compatible. First of all, uh, it runs on a Pico Raspberry Pi. So it's all emulation, but it runs on a Pico Raspberry Pi. Yep. You put this in here, and it has this little keyboard with little buttons on it. Uh, it has real uh, nine-pin joystick ports. Um, and you put this thing together, and you can run any kind of ZX Spectrum software 128K down. Um but it's tiny. So, I mean, it would take very little space on your desk. And I just think that it's one of, it's a very, very cool project. I saw a video on this. And so you could see a picture of a guy holding it in his hands mm-hmm. and it looks genuinely smaller than the 48 K. Okay. Um, and it, it has a built in joystick into it to our directional yeah. pad, not a joystick, but a little directional pad left, right up, down like the little buttons and oh, the yeah, fire. Yeah, yeah. I
0: see what you're saying. Yep.
2: Yep. So, um, I just think it's so cool that I and, and I, I like the color combo that this guy has on his. It's kind of a gold and brown like like kind of UPS colors, like gold and brown. Um I just think it's pretty neat. I, I would definitely get this if it became available in kit form or built or whatever. In fact, click on one of those pictures towards the bottom, you'll see the guy's hand that's around it. Yeah. Let's see here. Yeah. So okay. if that pops up there, oh, you'll yeah, see the guy holding it. Oh yeah! It's look like how a, tiny that is. I mean, it's thick, but it's pretty tiny.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's. I would say yeah. It's. 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 It's similar in size to the 48K, maybe a little bit uh, thicker, but also not as tall. If that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Um. So I see a couple of positives and one negative with this. And yes. First of all, the positives are it's got if you if you like the ZX Spectrum, this will be the 128K rather than the 48K, but in that tiny little small form factor. Yeah. Um. Which is awesome uh the 48k is known for the dead flesh keys which are kind of hard to type on anyways this is no different (laughs) although it is a um is this a no it's not it well it says qwerty across the top it's a standard keyboard layout which is different anyways it's not gonna be any harder to type on than the standard spectrum so it kind of kind of keeps that nostalgia with it um it's got additional buttons which you might need it's got sd input straight on the back and like you said it's got a joystick port which the original 48k did not have um it's cool that they have monitor out and it's not just hdmi that is a that that was a monitor out
2: it was a vga port Uh, it looked like to me
0: yeah vga so you could you could put your old vga stuff on there um the one negative is purely the fact fact that Everyone pretends, and, and unless everyone else in the world knows something I don't, everyone pretends that the uh, Raspberry Pi Pico is $5. Um, I cannot find one for $5. I can only find kits for, like, $40. So
2: I, I right. <laughs> when, when I bought a Pico, to, it, it's actually running, like, something I have, I think, on the TI-99-4A. Yeah. I bought a Pico, and that was many years ago, and it was $15. It wasn't 5 It was $15. Yep. Okay. And I got it, and I was happy to pay fifteen, and it worked great in the project I had. But nowadays, you can't find you can't find any good Raspberry Pis right now.
0: Yeah, and right now, of course, is its own situation. But even yeah. when those Picos came out, you couldn't buy them like because I was ready to spend like forty bucks and just have like eight Picos ready to go, throw them in a drawer. Like that was the <laughs> right. dream, man. R- right? Like nerdy dream. Uh, the other thing I like about this at the very bottom, I don't know if this is like a. A, a hint off to uh, Intel inside, but it says Raspberry Pico inside.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I would, so. I would love this even if I didn't even use it that much, but honestly, I think I would use it more often than, oh, look at I that mean, head. if it does 128 K and you push a button and you get to a menu and you can load stuff really fast, I, I would, I would use this as my primary ZX spectrum.
0: So just to, to make sure it's clear, all the buttons on this thing are micro switches. So they're going to be That's right. cl- hard clicky clackies. Um, yep. Yeah, it looks super cool. If you know, It all depends on the price, but I would totally pick one of these up at the right price. Yep. Very cool. Um, speaking,
2: of, speaking of cool...
0: Speaking of things going fast, um, yeah. this is another game that pop, popped up on the Xbox Gold, and I had to mention it because it just shoves together a bunch of things I think are cool. So I, <laughs> I have to... Um, Eric, I've told you uh, that I've recently played and enjoyed... Um, Oh, gosh. That that soccer game where your cars...
2: <laughs> That's right. Cars, it was like Rocket League. Rocket League. Yeah, Thank it, you.
0: Thank you. Yeah. Um, and what other kinds of video games do you and I both really enjoy playing, Eric?
2: Racing games.
0: And golf games.
2: Good choice. And golf choice. games. That's right.
0: <laughs> this is Turbo Golf Racing. <laughs> it is basically uh, Rocket League, but you're playing like on these golf courses it says golf i guess there is a hole at the ball at the end so yeah you're like racing to knock your your ball into the hole at the end but you're doing it while other opponents also have their own golf ball they're trying to knock in um but it's like rocket league golf it looks fun so did you really did you get this yet it's available to me, but I have not tried it yet. In fact, I downloaded it, but I have not tried it yet. No.
2: It looks really cool. I mean, I, I I do like the thing where you're basically playing soccer with a giant golf ball, trying to knock it into a large thing that looks like almost like a swimming pool. But yeah. it just spirals down, then goes into the hole in the bottom. So you could—that's how you actually make the golf and the and golf while you're shot. doing
0: that, you're trying to mess up other people's golf ball shots, and they're trying to mess up your golf shot, and. It's just no, crazy. I like it. It looks
2: really cool. I, I hope it comes out on the Switch, because that seems to be where I'm playing all my games these days. Gotcha.
0: Uh Tim's got one here, which oh he's got a video embedded and everything. So
2: okay. <laughs> Do you want to read this one? Sure. Roller Dome. Steam game coming in the next few days. Cell shaded. So it's jet grind radio inspired. Roller skating. I'm gonna I'm gonna assume that's roller skating. Yep, um, trick pulling third person shooter. This sounds very bizarre. It sounds kind of like turbo golf racing, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. A
0: bunch of stuff Roll- smashed together.
2: Tim says, "Roller Drome is a single player third person action shooter that seamlessly blends high octane combat with fluid motion to create an action experience like no other. Dominate with style in cinem- cinematic, visceral, ooh, visceral combat where kills net you health." And pulling off tricks and grinds provide you with ammunition and it's adrenaline pumping action shooter. So it's technically an action shooter.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm watching the video right now and it's it's one part jet guy and radio with it. Actually, the aesthetics to me look almost more like Borderlands.
2: Um, yeah, they do. It does look a lot like Borderlands, yeah.
0: But then I would say it's also one part Tony Hawk because the jumps and the grinds and stuff you're doing are more Tony Hawk-like. And then you know it's it's like a uh, first person shooter or I guess over the shoulder shooter, at the same time it's kind of like all the all that.
2: Yeah, that's interesting, and it looks like it's for the PS5, PS4, and Steam. Right. All right. All right. So, so knock- w- when when I get my Steam Deck, which I'm hey. hoping will be before the end of the year, this might be something to play on it.
0: But I know another way you can get involved with Steam, Eric. How is that? By you oh. reading this next p- item of news you put in.
2: <laughs> yeah. So I don't know if you knew this, but you can now use your switches retro controllers to play Steam games. Hmm. So you know all those retro controllers that Nintendo came out with, like the N64, Super yeah. Nintendo, regular Nintendo, um, all those controllers that they that they sold separately that you could add on. I I didn't know this. You, I didn't know they just didn't work on, in Steam, but well, I guess now they've put the programming in or something to make all those retro, modern retro controllers that are, I, I assume they were USB. Now they, are, they work. Yeah. They work in Steam. So the nice thing about Steam is Steam offers a lot of emulators and stuff like that. So this these these stuff should be pretty welcome over there on. Uh,
0: Interesting. On Steam. Yeah. Their Steam going like, hey, we can't sell you these things, but since you already bought them and you're already mad at Nintendo for forcing you to buy a controller to use their service, uh, you can use them over here, too. Make right. the jump, Eric.
2: Make the jump. I haven't that, bought that's any of those. Saying. I haven't bought any of those. So I haven't, I um, haven't either.
0: The, just the concept of them saying, hey, for a monthly subscription, you can have access to all our games. If you want to play them originally, here's a controller specific to the Switch and this purpose right kind of just weird taste in my mouth kind of a thing.
2: I agree. I agree. And I don't I mean being non Nintendo, I kind of wonder what Sonic would think about that.
0: You know what Sonic would probably do? He'd get in Triple Trouble.
2: What? Eric. <laughs> Here we go. Next news item. Look at that transition. Well, it wasn't was smooth, but it was something. No, I liked
0: it. I liked it. It was um <laughs> it had character.
2: It had character.
0: <laughs> uh so Sonic Triple Trouble uh 16 bit is coming out now this is a game as basically a reimagining of the sonic game that nobody played or at nobody at least nobody played for more than two hours because then your game gear battery just uh died (laughs) that's Uh, right but it's basically the original sonic uh game gear game triple trouble uh reimagined and released as sonic triple trouble 16 bit so they upgraded. Well, they redid everything, but I, my understanding it's the same levels and everything, uh, just done as, as as if it were a Sega Genesis game. I wish it were an actual Sega Genesis ROM. I'd love to buy it and put it on my on my Genesis Ever uh, EverDrive. But uh, it is a Windows download for free because it is a fan game, so they can't charge for it, and because Sega is not Nintendo, they allow fan games to exist and uh, and be. So go download this for free if you want to go check out Sonic Triple Trouble 16-bit on your Windows computer.
2: Sweet, looks cool. Yeah,
0: Eric, you don't like Sonic, so don't even
2: lie. I'm not a big fan of Sonic, but I'm willing to keep an open mind about it.
0: And um, I'm, into, you know what? We're gonna have to do a straight up mascot battle, like Super Mario World versus Sonic. Yeah. Just to make you play Sonic. I need to make you play Sonic. Actually, I want to play. You should play Sonic CD. We should play Sonic CD. Okay. Anyways, next item. Um, uh, spe- speaking, of, speaking of Sonic. Worst oh, another ever. Sonic thing, huh?
2: Okay. Another
0: Sonic item. Uh, a company called High Ground. They make keyboards, Eric.
2: It sounds familiar <laughs> to me. Do you have one of those? I don't, but it sounds oh, okay. familiar. I don't have any of
0: these fancy new keyboards because I never saw quite enough appeal for the cost, in my opinion. However, my mind might have been changed. High Ground launches new Sonic the Hedgehog and Dreamcast-themed mechanical keyboards.
2: Oh, wow. That's Um, pretty neat.
0: So, yeah, these are, like, uh, they're actually pretty small and compact, but I guess they're really nice mechanical keyboards. I don't want the Sonic one, even though it does kind of look cool for what it is, but having a keyboard that looks... uh, it's Dreamcast controller inspired. Where's the... It's a video that doesn't show anything. What is this? There it is. Um, it, uh, what's that? Oh, that's another Sonic one there. Sorry, watching the video. But that middle one right there. Look at that guy. Yeah. It's, it's funny because it's mostly white, but it's got the, the yellow, green, pink, and blue keys that represent the, the Dreamcast buttons. It says Dreamcast on it. There you go. I'm, I might have to buy my first... Keyboard. Oh,
2: nice. Yeah, I bought one one for that that little terminal build that I did. A little Raspberry Pi terminal build. In fact, it's a small mechanical keyboard, the same size as those. Mm -hmm. Um, I do like mechanical keyboards, but um, tend to buy the cheaper ones. So it just depends on how much those are going to go for. Gotcha. Sonic was not
0: made by Capcom. It was not. But you know what is? What is it? The one you're about to do next, Eric? I'm, trying, <laughs> I'm giving you time here. Giving you time I
2: thought here. that was, uh, for some reason, I thought that was you, your news item. I'm sorry. Here we go. <laughs> Capcom Arcade 2nd Stadium includes another 32 retro games. So if you take a look at this, they came out with Arcade Stadium 1, and mm-hmm. it came out with a bunch of Ar- Capcom arcade games, and that was available on Steam, PS4, Switch, Xbox One. Um, This is a second version to um, introduce 32 more retro games. So, you know, a lot of people that really want to stay legit don't want to use ROMs or whatever. They want the official versions of these things um, or a way to buy them. Um, Capcom's been going a long way in trying to releasing their library to kind of new generations of players. And... This is one way to do it. Their first one had a lot of really cool titles on it. This one, I think, has a lot of neat titles, too. I mean, it's got Mega Man, the Power Battle, Mega Man 2, the Power Fighters. Those were arcade games.
0: I love those things. Um,
2: It has Vampire Savior, which is a fighting game. uh, I don't don't like that game. What'd you say? (laughs) I don't like that game. You, you don't like that one. <laughs> um, 1943 Kai, which I think is a better, you know, it's better than 1942. Um,
0: and it's got some weird surprises towards the end. That's an interesting It does.
2: One. Yeah, It does. Hyperdyne Sidearms. You remember that one? That one's... A shooter, uh, right? That is a shooter, and it's actually a really decent one. Dark Stalkers, which is um, kind of revered in the, in the fighter realm. Um, Street Fighter. Street Fighter Alpha 2, Alpha 3, Alpha Warrior's Dream super gem fighter which is a a really cool game uh super puzzle fighter 2 turbo that's awesome yep um just a ton of games on there but i just thought it was a i just think it's neat that uh, like such a old company like capcom is still trying to come like trying to release their stuff to new people
0: yeah i'm also surprised that they're trying to make money
2: yeah they are trying to make money
0: (laughs) Yeah, no, cool. I I downloaded the demo for Arcade Stadium One. I'm supr- mm-hmm. the idea originally was like you could buy the games individually as part of this arcade. So I'm surprised yep. that this didn't just like you know open more games for the Capcom arcade. I'm kind of surprised that they seg- sectioned it off into a separate piece of software. Like this is too. You're right. But um, but you know, for completionists, I guess it it probably pencils out and makes more money for Capcom. Very sure. cool. Yeah um boom 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 oh taito taito uh news in that there is a a game uh on the nes which was a port of a taito arcade game called the fairyland story which had been lost to time there's been some publications that referenced it said it was coming out never did come out and somebody found a prototype and dumped the rom so if you want to try uh the fairyland story and Eric, you might be interested to try it because it is uh, the predecessor to Bubble Bobble. Bubble Bobble? Mm. Yeah. So it's kind of, I was watching some video of it. In fact, here you can see uh, see some of it here, if, I, if this will play. Um, it kind of does a little bit more than Bubble Bobble, but doesn't do any of it as cleanly, if I had to describe it. Uh, now keep in mind, this is the NES version. I've never played the arcade and um it's only got a few levels in it and it's got like if you hit select it's a, a debug version of this game so if you hit select you can just jump to any level you want yeah so it was you know it's clearly a prototype but um yeah you can kind of see it looks almost like an early uh
2: there's like black an box early version of bubble bubble yeah
0: yeah but it definitely does look like that and um I, don't know, I think it'd be fun to plug in and give it a shot. I might actually just try it on the arcade to see what the actual arcade looks uh, played like. I thought this was cool. It's kind of a mini stage where the whole goal is just to push these cakes off the end of the platforms and make them like uh, fall apart.
2: <laughs> yeah, just get squished.
0: Yeah, it's kind of an in between round mini game kind of a thing. Yeah. So I, I love finding uh, unreleased prototypes and game un- unreleased games new to the public.
2: Yeah. No, I, and, that uh, looks that looks pretty cool, and I'm a big fan of bubble bobble style games.
0: And more NES news. Um, if you guys listen to this show, you'll remember that like one of our first episodes, I finally got a copy of Sidney Hunter and uh, ooh, the Curse of the Mayans. I think it was called for the Super Nintendo, which right. is a game released by Collector Vision. It took like five years for me to get it, and it's been <laughs> almost five years more before they released the tiered kickstarter nes version of the game but it just came out finally and um i, I don't know what else to say about it. it looks it actually looks very similar to the super nintendo version of the game um so what we, is this
2: on this the, one's the nes now. nintendo
0: oh, okay yep all right nes and the truth is it doesn't look much worse than the super nintendo one which i always kind of uh was a little disappointed when i when i first saw the super nintendo game um I really haven't played it much, so there you go. I know they released a couple of Sydney Hunter games for the ColecoVision, which looked really for the ColecoVision, they looked really good. They didn't look too much worse than this. <laughs> no. So uh, not
2: at all, Not at all. Yeah: That's cool. Anyways, that's out., no, I like it. And I, I remember you talking about Sydney Hunter before, too, but I'm not sure I've played any Sydney Hunter games.
0: Yeah, no, I, I just have that one there. I, I think you actually played a little bit with me, maybe not, but
2: oh, maybe I did. Um, maybe I did. Yeah, on, on a time when I came over. Yeah, yep.
0: Yeah. But there's more new games coming out. This time for the C64.
2: Yep. So this game came out, and I actually went and purchased it. Uh, it's it's a name your own price. I think I paid a couple bucks for it. Um, it is called Shallow Domains, and one thing that's kind of refreshing about this game is that you know. There are some great games coming out on the Commodore 64 all the time. Some are platformers, some are shoot 'em ups a lot of shmups on the C64. You just don't see strategy games coming out that much anymore on the Commodore 64. Back in the day, yeah, I mean, I had all sorts of, like, war game construction set and uh, a, lot of, a lot of the old strategy military games, but this one is a hex-based map. And every color is a different terrain type. And you have a certain amount of turns to complete goals on the battle map. Um, it looks really, really good. I just got it yesterday. So I've only played it once and I'm still coming to grips with the control method because it has a joystick control method where when you highlight a, a unit, you hold the button down and then you can go in different directions to give different menu items. So there's different menus. So it, it it allows you to use a single joystick instead of having to memorize a bunch of keys on the keyboard, um, to do different strategy, you know, different pick different things. So like if you hold the button down and hit up, it gives you information on the unit. If you hold it down and you go, I think it's down and right. it, It ends your turn so that it can go to the next turn for the computer controller. Um, it plays in NTSC or PAL. Um, it has really great background music and battle music. Um, so far, it just looks really, really good right up my alley. I dig these kind of games. Um, so I'm looking forward to, to kind of sinking my teeth into this one. It's called, Sha- what is it, Shallow Domains.
0: Yeah. Uh, shallow looks do- like a- Go ahead. I was going to say, I, Shallow Domains, I actually downloaded this as well when I saw it. I did what I usually do, which is I downloaded it for free, and then I'll play it a little bit. And if it if I like it, I'll throw a few bucks their way. Uh, looks awesome. I'm, I'm the same as you. It looks if it if it plays as well as it. I mean, it doesn't look amazing. It just looks fun for people like us who like these hex based strategy games. So, right, uh, it's got a little bit of a you know kind of. A, downgraded advanced wars flare. I noticed when there's a battle, it actually pulls up a little mini screen where like the tanks are attacking each other and they disappear. Some of them disappear, you know, that's a
2: lot like advanced wars. Yeah. I noticed that for sure.
0: So, uh, cool. Yeah. Like you said, I've seen a lot of the similar types of games come out for the Commodore. So this is refreshing and and
2: exciting. Cool. Speaking of refreshing and exciting, tell me about arcade one up.
0: Um, that was a bad transition. I'll tell you why. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> no, no. It's, it's yet another Arcade 1-Up, which I wouldn't consider refreshing necessarily. It's just another Arcade 1-Up. But what's exciting about this one is they went for a whole different type of arcade uh, experience they haven't gone for with one of their uh, you know three-quarter size home arcades. Um, they are coming out with a Terminator 2 arcade machine, which as... Uh, you know, anybody who's been to a movie theater, you know, in the nineties would know is a light gun game. So, so they have
2: one back in the day.
0: Oh yeah. So sure enough, they have the red and blue gun with the big, you know, I'm sure it's not terribly stout since the home version, but the big cable that leads to the arcade cabinet and, uh, you, you're playing Terminator two, shooting baddies on the screen and the whole thing. Um, Curious what technology they used for the light gun since it is a flat screen, which is notoriously difficult to use light guns on. So I'm very curious how they did that.
2: And it has the two guns have force feedback. I think that's interesting. What well, oh, it's did not connected see that. to the yeah, Wi-Fi cool. for leaderboards,
0: which they're doing with a lot of their new machines, which is cool. Um, and they better be because their list price is up to six ninety nine ninety nine now, Eric. But apparently they're still selling. Um currently they have a lot of them on sale for four ninety nine ninety nine, although I do think that is a marketing marketing strategy because they used to be two ninety nine ninety nine, then they went up to three ninety nine ninety nine, and then my guess is they went up to six ninety nine ninety nine, slashed at two hundred dollars off to four ninety nine ninety nine. So now you got you got that FOMO, which is the third time I've mentioned FOMO this episode.
2: Right. i just wonder yeah i do wonder how they use that tech and then also i would love to maybe go find an original arcade machine or find the specs on an original arcade machine and see how large the screens are um because obviously if you're playing this two player and and the screen is tiny like in those arcade one up oh yeah like I wouldn't want like that would be that seems very very crammed to me to try to get in there with two people playing with light guns, um. I I kind of had this feeling that the that the CRT in the original ones was much larger. Yeah, it so, was. A good,
0: I remember being a pretty good size.
2: Yeah, and and it was a great game. I mean, I've I've played it a ton in the arcade.
0: I do like the, wi- the Wi-Fi the leaderboard thing. I think that adds a lot to the experience of having a home arcade and making it last that much longer. Although, I agree. If I you're agree. not going to modify it like we did with ours, um, or at least with mine, I don't think you've gotten an actual arcade one up yet. But Not yet. I can't imagine playing one arcade game over and over and over again on a little tiny three-quarter screen for
2: $500. No. No, I would... Uh... The the minute I got one of those into my house, I'd be modding it up the wazoo. And now that Terminator 2 might be, that one might be a little more tricky to mod, huh? Because it has some kind of touchscreen technology, or not touchscreen, but some kind of uh, light gun technology. You don't want to screw that up.
0: Yeah, I don't think that's going to be one you can drop other ROMs into. It's going to be, it is what it is. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Now those those machines usually come with one more than one arcade game. That that one didn't say it did. It's just Terminator Two. Just right?
0: Terminator Two to from what I saw. Yeah. Let me let me check one more time.
2: It seems like a lost opportunity because they could there were so many great light gun games. I think the hard thing is if you get the Terminator
0: two license, they're not gonna allow you to have that license and be like, Yeah, you can go ahead and put a whole bunch of other stuff on here too with us.
2: Yeah, that's you know, true.
0: It's kind of a yeah, just Terminator Two.
2: Wow,
0: For force feedback is cool, though.
2: The force feedback is really cool. Yeah, I'd like to um, see how they do that.
0: This is a, an interesting one here, and the reason I pulled this up it's a it's a another yet another you know uh, retro shoot 'em up collection released by not limited run this time. Which one is it? This is strictly limited games. It's a Taito shooter, which I do like uh, a bunch of good shooters, and these are some really good ones. It's the Ray Z Arcade uh, Chronology, they call it, which includes Ray Force, Ray Storm, Ray Crisis, Ray Crisis HD. Why would you ever play the original? You got the HD, and then of course Ray Storm Neo HD. So really, it's like three games, um, two versions of two of them. Now, what the reason I, I bring this up is because not only do I like these shmups or good shmups. The collector's editions I've seen of games have been, um, you know, they're like $100, $130. And it's like you get a certificate saying which number it is, and you get a bumper sticker, and you get a soundtrack, and you get, and it's all the stuff I'm never going to use. And it's like, man, I, I, I would, for games I really love, I'd buy a collector's edition, but I need something cool. This has something cool that I think they need to start doing. And they've included one of these. Um, what do they call them? Pixel frames. So it's a, it's a kind of like I have fr- the Frogger one in, in my house here. It's a kind of a shadow box where you've got a, a screenshot from the game, but there's like three layers of glass, and there's sprites in the front, and there's mid sprites, and then background sprites. So it creates this wall art. I would totally, totally I would totally buy the collector's edition for that and the game, and then you know all the other stuff would be kind of fluff filler, but. I want to see more of those in games.
2: I agree. I mean, that, that, that's something that's something you could put on your shelf and it looks really cool. Not some sticker or whatever that you're just going to throw in a box and never look at again.
0: Well, and the truth is like, if I get the collector's edition and I'm not, I'm never going to touch the sticker and I'm never going to, uh, all the other stuff they shove, shove in there. It's just going to go right back in the box or else I'm going to keep it unopened because it might go up in value, right? Which they never do, but they might go up in value. This actually is like, wait, I want to buy it for that pixel box. That's cool.
2: Yeah, that's cool. And I'll open it and put it on the wall. Right. (laughs) I want to see more of that. Yeah, I agree.
0: Um, To switch things up for a second.
2: (laughs) So I just, I found this one the other day and I haven't bought it yet. I might I might, because it's not that expensive. I think it's $14.99. And one thing that caught my eye is it's published by Team 17. Uh, It's not not written by them, but it's published by them. And they're an old-school game publisher from way back in even the uh, Commodore Amiga days. Uh, But this one is on Nintendo Switch. Now, I know you can get this on Steam as well. So you can get this on PC. You can get this on Switch. There might be some other platforms this is available on. But this is a game called Before We Leave, and it is a new game for the Nintendo Switch. Uh, You can grow, gather, and manage resources to help your settlements thrive and share goods between the, the hexagonal lands and planets around you. Relax and expand the fabric of your growing societies and create a solar system of happy planets at your own pace. So, the one cool thing about this is it's a very kind of uh, chill game, I think is what they use in their uh, marketing. Yeah. It's not so fast paced and hectic, like a normal city builder or whatever, you know, where you're constantly managing stuff. And if you take your eye off of it for, you know, 30 seconds, you're doomed and
0: everything's on fire for some reason.
2: Everything is on fire. Exactly. This one <laughs> is a much more laid back kind of kickback one. But the cool thing is that the, the play area is on a globe. Mm -hmm. But it's it's They're hexes. They're hexagonal map, and you are uh, the the story. Because I read into it a little further. The story is that you were living underground because some catastrophe happened, and you're finally after decades. You're ready to emerge from underground and start rebuilding your society on the surface of the planet, and so you start building your houses and your factories and roadways and you know places that make food and it's basically like a um a civilization kind of simulation and then once you build your tech tree out you can build rockets and spaceships and you go and you can colonize other planets in your solar system and then you start developing trade between those planets and it does have an end game where when you've populated I think all the planets in your solar system and reach certain milestones you can win the game um, but this one just seems a little more laid back than the typical civilization game for people that just kind of want to chill and, and do that kind of thing
0: I love to have so, a game, that, yeah this looks great, it looks like again a game that I, I can have a, um, a main game I'm playing but when I'm kind of uh, stressed out or I need to do something else for a little bit I can pop into this one and that can just kind of be like the, the background filler game Kind yeah, of pick away at you know.
2: Yep, I 100% agree.
0: It's called Before We Leave, which is kind of a weird name for a game, but there you go. Before We Leave on the Nintendo Switch, and of course it's a uh, brand new, so it's on. Uh, they discounted at four dollars, fifteen ninety nine at the moment. Sweet, cool. I got one last item of news here.
2: Yes, right um, up my right up my alley too. So let yep. let's talk about it.
0: Yeah, and by the way, if you guys uh, think we missed any good news items, uh, just a better another reason to join our Discord and let us know. Maybe we should start another uh, group inside of our uh, Pixel Guide in Discord called News. Yeah. Um, that might be good. That might be good.
2: Yeah, I'll run that get by a, the, the powers that be and see if we can get that built.
0: Yeah, get Eric's hot take on the upcoming hotness. Um <laughs> Megacat Studios, which is a a, a developer slash, um, I guess they're not a developer, they are a publisher of Mm -hmm. indie, kind of, I guess I'm going to call them homebrew, even though they're being publicly released now, Uh, Games for Old 8 and 16-bit Systems, is publishing a new Sega uh, Genesis shmup called ZPF. Now, I I must say, um, whoever made this game looks awesome work on the title <laughs>
2: <laughs> what like does zpf got, stand for by the way it might you know? stand
0: for something but the point is if you have to dig for it you didn't market it well i'm sorry i'm, I'm gonna say that right now however the game looks awesome um here's the guy right here so i'm gonna go there you go look at this we got exciting genesis 16-bit action um we got a hipster talking about his game sorry you can tell he's a a
2: hipster because he's wearing that like knit cap
0: exactly right so i'm sure he's a he's a good dude i just have to point out that he looks like a hipster uh there we go there's some shmup action it almost reminds me of uh what's that game called is it not felios uh oh shoot it's called it's weird i can only get the european name it's gynug but what is it called in america
1: Gynug. Gynug.
0: gynug uh Anyways, looks like a cool, brand new sixteen-bit shmup. Uh, Mega Cat Studios is going to release it on the Genesis itself, I believe. Um, they, I don't know if they'll do a download, but what I'm hoping is that we'll see Mega Cat Studios three the Evercade cartridge, and I will yes. pick it up for that.
2: That oh, that would be awesome. I would love that. And. They need to shift some gears or do whatever they got to do. They're running out of time. They said in the summer, WrestleQuest was going to be coming out. That was Mega Cat oh, Studios, cool.
0: was it? Okay, hold on. That's a good. That's a good uh, follow-up news item here. Let me go to games. Let me go to games. I gotta tell you, Since that's like my, this,
2: this year's eagerly awaited game for me. Like I want WrestleQuest, and I don't know why. Because I'm not into big into wrestling, it but looked, I It looks so cool. Oh man, it looks so good. I I, I just I want it. I think uh, if you just go to wrestlequest.com it takes you right to the
0: Wrestlequest.
2: And that was Ooh. Mega Cat Studios, right? almost positive. I don't
0: think so, but
2: I don't, I, think I it I was don't. Uh, PS4,
0: PS PS5, Xbox One, there it is. It's by Skybound Games, published by Mega Cat Studios. You are absolutely right. Uh Xbox Series S and X switch and they said
2: summer and if you haven't looked outside it's starting to starting to get a little less summery every day
0: a little <laughs> yeah oh that game looks so cool even though i'm again you, you and i are both not into wrestling but this game looks so fun
2: oh man yeah. i'm I, I think about it like every week i like think man i wonder if WrestleQuest quest is out yet and i look at their twitter feed i look at their news feed wrestle i want it so are you still playing
0: yeah, it, are you still playing uh, the other one that I was really excited about that you actually downloaded and, and started playing? Was that Fishing Paradiso or Paradiso? Mm-hmm. Yep. Are you still that, playing that? that? Is it
2: holding up? Speak, yeah, speaking of that game uh, where you just want to chill out and turn your mind off, that's the game I go to now to just chill out. Um, I, I Because I've been in a crunch to get stuff done for the podcast, I haven't played it in a couple of weeks, but I was playing it before that. It is holding up, yeah. I mean, it's a lot of fun.
0: Awesome. I want to play that. Yep. And that's the news um the best part about the news being over eric is that we get to open our second beer
2: yes and i am eager to do so i am i am thirsty
0: i am beholden by this beer eric beholden wow because this beer is called pie of the beholder now i might have had this on the show before
2: uh, that's okay because i cause my beer I'm about to open, I've had on the show before I know for sure.
0: <laughs> In fact, I think I had it this season, and I think this is my, not this particular one. So uh, there's a caveat to that. I'll get to it. But I'm pretty sure I had a Pie of the Beholder Key Lime Pie earlier,
2: was that earlier this year? Yes, I remember you had that Key Lime Pie beer. Yes, because I think you brought one over, you dropped it off here.
0: I think it was last year. I think it was my beer of the year. Now I feel like I need to go back and check the history. Um. Anyways one thing moonraker does i do not care for is that they make a beer that i love called pie of the beholder and if you order pie of the beholder they will sell it to you they almost always have it but it's a different pie every time uh so the current pie is strawberry rhubarb
2: so this is good i like strawberry rhubarb
0: so strawberry rhubarb kettle sour ale brewed with strawberry rhubarb milk sugar graham cracker and vanilla bean so no joke you know this is a a delicious beverage i have a hard time calling it a beer even i hard it's even hard to call it a sour it's just dessert in a can with alcohol it's amazing and i love it and i agree with you there yeah so i'm gonna crack that open
2: but yeah, hopefully it tastes good because that could ha- that that's risky. It, c- it has a lot of potential to fail, like like not be such a great even beverage. But I'm hoping it is because it sounds good.
0: Well, this is my third four pack of it, so it's good. <laughs> <laughs> Spoiler alert. Yeah, but both these beers I've had multiple
2: times. They're delicious. So um, I'm I'm keeping up with uh, my Oktoberfest theme, and I went with. I don't know why I put this back in the bag, but I went with Firestone's Oktoberfest Oak-Aged Lager. All right. Um, so Fire, this is from Firestone. Firestone. I know I've had, we've had this on the show before, but one thing about Firestone, if you're not drinking their mainline beers like 805, there is ver- there is subtle differences from year to year on their seasonal beer. So I'm going to justify that in why oh, I'm yeah, drinking no. it again.
0: And, well, in fact... Um I don't know if they do it on that particular one, but a lot of their beers will have the same name, but they'll put the year under it, almost like a wine. Like, this is the, exactly. you know, the 2020, yep. this is the 2019, this is <clears> the, <throat> yeah. All
2: right, cheers me, brother.
0: Cheers, my friend. <whistles> glug, 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 glug. Mm-hmm. Let's drink these beers, brother. Sat that motto, Man? Was that your question? <laughs> exactly. Quest? <laughs> Oh man, that's delicious! Hundred percent.
2: Now you gotta you gotta save me one of those, or we gotta go to Moonraker when I'm up there with Timmy.
0: Oh, we're doing Timmy. that. That's that's. There's no question there. We're doing
2: that because I I strawberry rhubarb sounds good to me.
0: So out of eighty eight episodes, again, so I don't like this one as much as the key lime, but now I'm just picking hairs. i I'm going to give it another eighty two out of eighty eight. Absolutely. Really? Yep. What? But I'm telling you, Moonraker, man, Moonraker.
2: So this one is, you know, Oktoberfest. It, it, it tastes malty and caramelly, um, but I do like it a little better. The golden ale one has a little kind of a bite at the end that I that's a little off-putting. This one is, like most Firestone beers, smooth as silk. Very smooth finish, very tasty. So I'm definitely going to rate it higher. I'm probably going to give this one a 78 out of 88. All right.
0: Solid yep. beer. Solid beer. Yeah. And while Eric sips on that delicious Betty.
2: <sighs> yes.
0: We're going to go ahead and start our six good, six good games. Six good games. And while I edit out all the noises Eric just made while six good games was playing. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs>
2: You were all, <clears throat> <clears throat> mm, yeah, mm, beer. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a man, baby. I'm going to do that kind of stuff. I love it.
0: Uh, you hit a certain age, you know, and you make those noises when you sit down and stand up. That's right. I've caught myself doing some heavy breathing while I'm just sitting in a chair. Anyways, <laughs> <laughs> female leads. Uh, I'm sorry, female protagonists. I like the way you put it better than the way I put it. Six good games with female protagonists. And... Okay. uh what I like about this is we, because obviously, the, so the big thing for me is back in the day, everyone talks about how Metroid was like the first game they can remember where it's like, wow, there's a female in Metroid, right? Like, no one knew what it was. It was Samus in this suit. And then the game ended and you saw that it was, uh it was, Samus was the name of this girl, right? That was the hero the whole time. And it was kind of like the big reveal, shocking reveal. A woman can do stuff, right? <laughs> right. Uh, so... I kind of I tried to lean towards the early stuff to kind of find some more games from more, closer to that era, and it looks like you kind of did too. So that was that was cool. Yeah. Um, Eric, do you want to start with your first game? I can. And <laughs> as you take, I had, take I had to take a sip there.
2: I take another little sip. Um, so the first game I I, I picked was uh, Great Gianna Sisters, and. This is a very good game, so it very very much fits the the category here. but one reason is I have an interesting history with this game as well as um, it has its own interesting history and I gotta tell you as I we go further along in this podcast, one thing I find even more interesting than the gameplay on a lot of these games is the history behind the games. a lot of these have very interesting and rich histories and yes. this game's no exception so this game is as Josh Malone said, when uh, I mentioned I was playing it on Twitter, he said, <laughs> this is a clear, uh, he said, he joked that this was six good games, IP ripoff game. And well, I, it, I,
0: I think you kind the, of implied in your tweet, you're like, hey, look what I'm playing. Can you guess what the six good games are this time? <laughs> right. And then I? What, I, don't know right. If, I don't know if he did it on purpose. It was kind of implied. So his response yeah. was actually very accurate. Because, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
2: Exactly. And so, um, so let's start with my history on this game. I pirated the crap out of this game when I was a kid. And the reason is I'd read about it in a magazine, um, at that time. And maybe this changed. I, and I don't know, I, my, my, uh, my research didn't reveal this, but I think this might've been only released in the PAL regions. Um, Really? Because it was not available here in the stores at all. But I had read about it in the magazine that, hey, there was this game that was... Because I didn't have an original Nintendo. And this game is clearly a rip-off of uh, Super Mario Bros.
0: You mean the Great Gianna Sisters was a ripoff of the Super Mario Brothers?
2: Exactly. And every word is, like, related. Like, instead of Super, it's great. Instead of Mario, it's <laughs> Gianna. And instead of... Uh, Brothers um, and sisters. Brothers and sisters. So total, total ripoff. But anyway, so when I was, a, when I was a kid, I wanted to play this game. And so like, as a good pirate does, I went and ha- hacked my way into these BBSs or, or didn't hack my way, but hacked my way using uh, long distance codes. He, 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 and he- he. called a bunch of European BBSs to download this game. And I did find an NTSC version because a PAL version wasn't going to do me any good. So I downloaded an NTSC fixed version of this, downloaded it. And when I played it, it was so disappointing because it was so glitchy, like because of the NTSC fix. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Every time it scrolled, it would like the whole screen would kind of shimmer and shake. And it (laughs) was just a bad NTSC fix for this game. So I ended up, uh, kind of wishing I had it, but I I shelved it and just read the reviews on the, on the magazine articles. And that was it. Like I, I filed it away, never got to play it really as a kid, except for this bad version. And then much, much later I imported a PAL version of the Commodore 64 and got to play it. And it was great. And I, but I never really got into it. So I used this opportunity of this show and six good games to, do a kind of a deeper dive into it. And I think, I think there's 33 levels, 33 stages. And I got to level 20. So I got pretty far into the game. Um, but this game is features, uh, Gianna is all they call her. And she is in a nightmare. And so she's going through 33 levels of her nightmare. I don't remember exactly why she travels through the nightmare. Um, to solve something, who knows? I, I don't her, remember. Where's her sister? I don't know. I think where's, she's trying to save her sister.
0: Where's G. Luigi? She's trying to save her sister, <laughs> Gianna, Gianna, Gianna Luigi. I can't say it. Gianna Luigi. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but this game, um, the authors of this game, the game came by was was released by Rainbow Arts, but they they totally admit, yeah, we oh. in Europe didn't have the Nintendo. It wasn't as popular. So we wanted a version of Super Mario Bros that we could play on the systems that were popular here, which at the time was the Commodore 64. I mean, the Commodore 64 was, you know, very, very popular as as well in the UK and in Europe in general and Germany and places like that. So they admit like we wanted a version of this, but we knew we need to make a difference so it wouldn't conflict with Super Mario Bros. So they changed all the names and they changed the levels. The levels are very unique. They added. Well, all... I'll Go
0: say ahead. level one and two are are very very reminiscent of the Mari, first two Mario levels. It is and then, very. And now we're at level three and four here, and they're different now.
2: And they are, so. and they, they 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 get a lot more different. You're right. The first couple levels are very very similar. Very different, but they do have power. Different a lot of different power ups and things like that. And we'll talk about a lot of the differences here in a minute. But. Um, They made it, and they made it different. And then, now, one of the things you'll hear about this game is that, well, Nintendo sued them, and then they had to take it off the shelf. Oh, Nintendo. That's not true. Um, What happened, because, you know, you can look at at court data. There was never any lawsuit filed about this. More than likely, what happened is that Nintendo approached them and said, hey, we are going to sue you unless you take this off the shelf. Yeah.
0: Well, they do that hey, to this day. That's still a yep, thing. Yep, they
2: do that to this day. So there wasn't any lawsuit, but they they did <laughs> talk to them. And, Sorry, I'm, uh, I'm
0: laughing because they just got to Bowser, but it's not Bowser in this game. It's a giant, like, ant spy- bug
2: thing. It looks like an ant or a spider or something, right? Yeah. Um, you beat it but, the same exact way, though. So I guess they... Um, So there wasn't a lawsuit. There was probably, probably a threat. And so they took it off the shelves and therefore finding an original copy of this game is next to impossible. And when you do, they go for thousands of dollars for original copies of this game for the Commodore 64. Not that you thinks about the investment value. Yeah. I mean, this thing is crazy (laughs) rare now. I mean, you can download it and play it to your heart's content, but you can't finding an original disc version of this is next to impossible. Um, Now, the game, you know, it's Gianna, when she gets her first power-up, which is like a beach ball, she turns, like, her hair goes crazy, and then she has the ability to break bricks, just like Mario does with his first power-up. But this game has tons of more power-ups. If you get one lightning bolt, you can shoot what are called, I think, electrical balls or something. They're not fireballs. (laughs) but And then if you get double lightning bolts, um, your electric electric balls will bounce off of walls and stuff. So, like I, I was showing, I should put a little video on Twitter last night when I was playing this game. I shot a fireball and it's just bouncing around this little enclosed area. It just kept bouncing around forever. <laughs> um, so, and then there's like a little timer that you can get that that um, I can't remember. What that. I think it I think it freezes time because there are time limits on each level on this game. Um, yep. There are a just lot. Just got one of, there. Yeah. There are a lot of different power-ups that make this game. It adds a lot of interesting and unique stuff to this game. Um, There's like a bomb when you grab that, it blows up anyone who's on the screen. Uh, There are a lot of different, you know, varying monsters that, that do different things. It, in its own right, this game isn't just an IP clone. I mean, it, it is interesting and unique in its own way and a lot of fun. I mean, I, I've so been having a blast playing this. Obviously, I got to level 20 out of 33. Um, I, you know, this is probably a game I'm going to go back to and get, take a deeper dive into it. Um, I think it's really, really a good game. So um, I, th- I think it's very much, in
0: the, very much in the vein of like the pack all the Pac Man clones that exist for every system, where yeah. they all took Pac Man, but like, yeah, but now Pac Man can shoot. Or, yeah, it's Pac-Man, but now, instead of, you know, uh, you chasing the ghosts all the time, you know, now the ghosts are able to teleport, or what, you know, they all added a feature. Yeah, exactly. And I feel like this is very much like Super Mario Brothers, excuse me, that beer is making me burpy, Uh, (laughs) Super Mario Brothers, but with with more guns, it's like more Super Mario Brothers, um
2: and what so two last things. The music in this game is done by Chris Huselbeck, which is a legendary Commodore sixty four composer. Okay. So I mean the music is fantastic in this. And another thing is if you come into this just thinking it's gonna be like Mario, the controls are a little different. It's it's very floaty like when when she jumps. It's a lot more floaty than Mario. Mario has a definitely uh tighter jumping yeah, they mechanism. Were,
0: they are trying to Get all the momentum and everything that makes Mario what it is. And I think they succeeded halfway.
2: Yeah. Yeah. But otherwise, if you get used to the floatiness, which I did after a little while, um, again, a fantastic game in its own right. And if you have a Commerce 64, you owe yourself to play this game. This is probably one of the best platformers on the system. So that's it. Great Gianna sisters
0: so i want to i want to touch really quick on this uh the best part about this entire game is the fact that that the enemies when you shoot and kill them Mm -hmm. they don't like disappear like in Mario. they flip upside down or they get squashed and their dead corpse lays at your feet (laughs) until you leave the screen absolutely sits there dead and defeated (laughs) like that one didn't because it's the boss i guess but all the other ones did um yeah i need to give this one a better chance when i first got my commodore 64 i you know i looked up top 10 games and you get monsters and mayhem or land or whatever it's called mayhem and monster land and you get this one uh as well as a few others and so when i tried it it was so trying to be mario but not nearly as good that i'm just like this is garbage but now that i know the commodore 64 and i know the the limitations of the system and i'm watching this i'm like this actually looks like a pretty darn good game Yeah, caveat caveat for the Commodore 64.
2: Just try to like pretend you never played Super Mario Bros. Like if you do that, like if you pretend you never saw that game or played it, this is definitely a top 10 game on the Commodore 64. I mean, it's 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 amazing. If you spend your time comparing it to Super Mario Bros, you're not going to you're going to be like, oh, this kind of sucks because it's floaty. Um, you know, it it it's not Super Mario Bros. I mean, that, that's pretty much the bottom line.
0: And I think you so. also answered another one of my questions. If I remember correctly, when I played it, it was probably a PAL version, and it was super glitchy and and shaky and everything. Um, yeah. But now Tim got me the PAL Commodore C sixty four C that I have, so I'm going to load this up on that.
2: Yeah, you want to play this, this in PAL? Don't use an NTSC fixed version. They they suck. There you go. That's that would be my <laughs> other issue. So yeah,
0: cool, great first pick thank you um I'm, I'm 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 proud that gianna here is uh, very confident with her bed head and just doesn't care um yeah. you have some frazzled hair the entire game It is, you know she doesn't put a hat on it like mario does she just owns it she just owns it yep my first game with a female protagonist Is a game that I played as a kid as well, and I have. um, So I would go to my friend's house, uh, my next door neighbor's house, Leslie Shabline specifically. Um, I'm typing her name instead of the name of the game, which is ridiculous. (laughs) (laughs) You're stalking. (laughs) (laughs) And if I just hop up on Facebook right now, I'm going to read her stats. Um, (laughs) So the game. So she had. um, I always had the Mac. We were the Mac with the weird Mac family on the block. The
2: weird Mac family.
0: And she had, and this would be at, you know, early 90s, late 80s, early 90s, when it was still like DOS with like CGA graphics or maybe EGA. I think EGA is probably what she had. I don't particularly recall. And we were playing games over there, and I remember almost every single one I played, and I've talked about some of them. I've talked about Duke Nukem, the original, not 3D, Duke Nukem, the platformer shooter game. Um, I remember um i almost wanted what was it captain captain something uh but one of the games i remember and i specifically remember her being excited because it was a game with a with a female protagonist same type of game very similar jill of the jungle is the name of the games it was actually uh, released in june 1992 which i honestly would have thought it was way before that because it looked pretty archaic
2: even then mm-hmm yeah 92 is a little late in the game yeah interesting yeah
0: um and so let me find let me see if i can find the version it's hard because now it's on gog good old games and you can choose which um display method you want so most people are going to pick vga instead of cga or ega because it looks the best but i didn't play it that way i played i'm pretty sure it was ega um Anyways, here's Jill the Jum- Jungle by Epic Games, who, of course, made, like, the Gears of War series and all kinds of crazy popular games now and owns the Epic Game Store. But this is one of the games they started with. Interesting. And, yeah. Yeah. And it's just super old school, you know, in hindsight, uh, you know, very tile-based level design. Everything is a perfect square. Um, she jumps, like, five times her own height and is super floaty and hard to control kind of a thing you have this weird uh not only are jumping trying to get these apples which in these old original dos games all of the power-ups and creatures moved constantly so even like your your apple like the apples she picks up are just spinning in a really like aggressive circle (laughs) (laughs) that's right yeah um i mean honestly the level design was super Do you want to use the word like pastiche where like someone just literally just like took a stamp tool and clicked around and said, there you go. Those are the blocks that you're going to climb up and stuff. Um,
2: Definitely smacks of like early DOS games. Like the, the background is just a gradient, like, like stripes of colors.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Like 10 different colors, stripes. Um, You just kind of get to the end of the level where there's a dark rectangle and that's a door apparently. Um, There's these little pop-up boxes which show a picture of her. It says Jill now enters the forest. Um, she can climb these vines. Um, she collects apples. She avoids spikes. Uh, the the dagger she throws is pretty hilarious because when you f- pick up the dagger, you see the picture of it and it's, you know, it's, it's, it's the dagger is pointing up and there's the, the pommel le- going left and right, right? Almost like an upside down cross. Right. But w- when you throw that across the screen at somebody, it stays in that orientation. So it's, it's blade straight up in the air flying towards somebody like pommel first <laughs> um but the enemies you're fighting are fighting like birds giant ants you're uh, it's it's actually a very it's a weird it's i guess it's a, if it was a board game i'd call it ameritrash um
2: <laughs> yeah this reminds me of I, I think we were trying to think of the same game when you were like captain something there, oh uh keen commander commander keen, keen.
0: Commander Keen, that's it, yep.
2: This looks exactly like, well, not exactly, but it looks similar to Commander Keen, like from the same time era.
0: Yep, and it absolutely was. In fact, I did a little research on it for the show, and it was released uh, in reaction to those games, which was done by, um, uh, well, not three, who were they called before 3D Realms? Apogee. Yeah. Those shareware Apogee games where they give you the first few levels and you had to pay for the rest. That's right. Um, So Epic uh created Jill the Jungle amongst a few others, including eventually ones I really liked, like Jazz Jackrabbit, which were, I'm going to make you play one of these days. Yeah, um, we talked
2: about that before. And I think I can play that on my mister on the DOS, um, the DOS core.
0: Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, you can probably, I mean, you can download it on good old games. I downloaded Jill the Jungle to play it this time on good old games. Um, you do have to, well, maybe there's another way, I don't know, but you more or less have to... Uh, you know, use a a program like joy to key where you uh, map your keyboard buttons to a joystick to make it work. Right. Yeah, that's um, pretty typical. Anyways, yeah, it's a simple, uh, I don't know, platformers with, a, with Jill of cool. the Jungle here. Now, I have, what I have to point out is if you buy it now, and I guess it was this way originally, although I never realized it at the time. It was actually re- released as the Jill of the Jungle trilogy. So, you actually got wow. three games... Um, and they were all like Jill of the Jungle, but like three different, almost uh, three different like level packs almost, I think. Oh,
3: now wow. what's funny
0: about it is, not funny, but we're talking about, you know, empowering women, right? And, in the early days, women being the leads in video games, the protagonists. I have to point out that <clears throat> after Epic Games released this, they started making Jill of the Jungle 2. However, the developers soon decided that wasn't a good idea because I don't think this was a huge, even though it went a lot of places, I don't think it made a lot of money. Uh, And it became the game Vinyl Goddesses from Mars.
2: (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) So they went went a different way. They went
0: a different route on that one. Uh, (laughs) Still a female protagonist.
2: Oh, no, that's horrible. (laughs) That set back the movement
0: a it, few years. it did but i'm gonna be honest i kind of want to try it <laughs> i kind of want to play vinyl goddesses from mars oh um, my goodness but it was no longer released by epic it was a different company at that point but i yeah. thought that was humorous anyways this game came out in 92 which when i compared it to other games from 92 it actually it looked pretty long in the tooth um, yeah but i just again i i remember it specifically for that Nostalgic moment where my my friend showed me the game and she was very excited because it was a, a female lead
2: Yeah, so no I, I, it, Honestly, it looks like it'd be a lot of fun It's
0: It's a it's a good game for reasons other than the game itself it, in my opinion for for me. It's an okay game. Yeah. it's okay. It's a little hard to control Okay It's somewhere in between it's not a euro style platformer because you don't have to collect a million things to open a door Right. but it's also <laughs> yeah it's also not Japanese in the sense that you know it's tight gameplay with where you get from point A to point B however you want kind of a thing you have to go get keys and stuff which I guess is kind of an American kind of thing right we get a blue key right. open the blue door which opens the red room with you get the red key with the red door and um, yeah it's six okay games. but with with good connotations because of my my uh my history with it so there you go gotcha jill of the jungle by epic games on dos specifically in ega
2: very cool i like it so this this next game cody i want you to pay close attention to i'm paying because I actually think you would really dig this game. I think you would really like it. I've been hooked on this game for about three weeks now. I don't know if you've, when you've logged into your switch, if you've noticed how many hours I've been sinking into this thing.
0: I have not stalked you lately. No,
2: it is. (laughs) It is a significant amount. Again, it has a kind of an interesting history in that the company that came out with this, uh, is called Psy games. First of all, the game is called little Noah scion of paradise.
0: I've seen the, uh, the, the image in the story, yeah, but I have not clicked on it.
2: Yep, so Little Noah, I, I guess um, this game is by Cy Games Grounding Incorporated, or Cy Games is the publisher. And they got their cl- claim to fame by coming out with a game. Um, I don't know the details off the top of my head, but they came out with a game, I think on iOS, that was one of those, uh, you know, you play the game and then you can spend a little money to add a little bonus and get a little gotcha. further in the game. It was like one of those yeah. get, get, get your money games. And that turned me off. First of all, when I was kind of doing the research on this game, I was like, uh, you know, before I bought it, but then I heard that they were, um, these guys that made the game for iOS had some chops. They were, the, the game was very popular because it was a lot of fun and, but it was like kind of a money grabber. Like I want, you know, it was one of those stupid yeah. cell cell phone games. But I guess the guys that are guys and gals, I guess that made this game were like, "Well, we can do better. We can make something really cool." And so they sat down and used the IP. So all the characters are the same from the from the cell phone game. Okay. Um, and they made this game, which is called Little Noah, and it's it's a girl named Noah, and she um, this game is was was labeled like a roguelike like game or a rogue style game where like there's a game loop to it and you're going to die after a little while because it's, you know, yeah. It's not that the easiest game to get through, but you have these little things called Lilliputs which are little monsters kind of like Pokemon that follow you around. Okay. And when you go into the world, you get assigned 3 of these every time you restart the game and When you attack, the Lilliputs do all your attacking for you. And as the game progresses, you can strengthen these Lilliputs by giving them bonuses and upgrades and stuff like that. And as you progress through the world, you'll find new Lilliputs. And the strategy in the game is to put the Lilliputs in the right order. So, like, the last one to hit, you want to be a big bruiser that does a big hit and pushes does a knockback on your enemy so they get knocked back a little bit. So there is a strategy on how you organize your little puts as well as how you upgrade them. Some of them shoot ice, some of them do fire, some of them do do physical hits, some of them do magic. It's like you have to figure out the right order. And then there's also you have these two slots um, that are assigned to a different button where they have the secondary um, attack that is a much more powerful attack so if you put them into these other slots you can do your normal attack but also kind of use this bonus attack by putting a little put in these other slots um i know that might sound a little weird uh but it flows so well this game one thing also i think you'll really love about this game is that it um has bosses that come up frequently so like in a level you go to a level you go through it you go to another level you go through it and then the third level is a boss and these levels don't take very long to get through and then when you go through the next one and that's the map that kind of showed real quick yes that's a good looking map actually (laughs) there's two bosses per level and and uh so you will get to a boss very quickly in this game like and and the first one's not that hard to defeat Second one's pretty tough. Uh, the third one is really tough. So you basically are moving through this map. And then when you die, which you will, you lose all your Lilliputs. And that sounds horrible, right? But Lilliputs. everything you collect in the game, all the power-ups, all the, all the trinkets and armor and all that stuff, you lose it all. But it gets converted into mana. And when you go back to your ship, because that's where you you go back to. When you re arrive on your ship, you can fill out these tech trees like these uh, different ways to get permanent power ups by spending your mana. And so you spend your mana in doing uh, different power ups, either for your Lilliputs or for your character or for your ship, for that matter. And then you start all over again from the very beginning and you go through the game. Collecting items and artifacts, and and that power you up you power you up in the game, and then and your puts and you you get all your puts, put them in specific orders, blah blah blah, and then you fight battles, and then you reach a boss, you die again, you go back, you power up, and yep. the 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 nice thing about the tech tree is that you do feel like you power up, okay. so it they're noticeable differences. Sometimes you'll get a new power, sometimes you'll get. Just a stat bonus where you gain a little more life. Um and it, it it this game has me hooked. I've been playing this nonstop. I've been absolutely <laughs> loving this game. It's been the game I've played the most this last month. Like if you look at the hours I've played, I've probably played a good 20 hours of this game. Huh. Um I love it. Love it, absolutely loving it. And uh that's it. It's called Little Noah Scion of Paradise, and it's a girl. She has an eye patch. I don't know why. It wasn't revealed in the story. Um, but very cool game. So there it is. Cool. Little Noah, Scion of Paradise on the Switch. I think it's cheap too. It's like, I, I don't remember how much it was, maybe $14.99, something like I'm that. I'd say
0: $15, 20 bucks probably. Yeah. Yeah, it's a game, it looks interesting. The gameplay and everything you're saying it has me intrigued. It's a game where, for whatever reason, when I see, um, even though I, it's clearly 2D gameplay, but when I see, kind of 3d like this map looks great hand-drawn yeah. but when they the gameplay is kind of 3d um rendered sprites with like a scrolling 3d background but it's 2d gameplay my mind just doesn't correlate the two and so it, it comes across as like half-assed to me just i don't know why even though it looks great yeah but to hear your your opinion of it um might have to go to shot So.
2: And by the way, today they came out with DLC for it. I, I don't know what the DLC does, but seeing as I've been playing this 20 hours and I'm not even probably 25% through the game, I, I'm not getting the DLC until like I get closer to the end.
0: <laughs> it, it replaces Little Noah with, with Little Gianna. Exactly. It becomes Little Gianna Sisters.
2: Certainly Little Noah, which isn't a retro game, but it is a 2D, technically Transpire. a 2D or 2.5 Retro or a side-scrolling platformer kind of kind of environment. So I'm gonna just say it's retro-themed enough.
0: Eric, another game that I need to get you to play one of these days is mm-hmm. going to be one of the original uh, six. Honestly, original. I'll, I'll say five uh, Mega Man games. Mega Man two through, through through two through six are the ones I want you to try. Um, yes. However, did you know that? Just like there was a Pac-Man craze where everyone had to copy Pac-Man, everyone was copying Mega-Man for a while there. And there's a number yeah. of games, all of them, every single one to my knowledge, was on the NES where they tried to copy the Mega-Man uh, success story, and then just okay. kind of stopped in the 16-bit area. They 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 stopped doing it. But um, one of those uh, attempts was a game from company Vic Tokai in 1990, and it's Heard called the the
2: Cryon Conquest. Okay. I haven't heard. And, I haven't heard of the game, but I've heard of that company.
0: Yeah, Uh Victor Kai. They are, they were kind of a middle of the road. They had some really bad games and some pretty solid games, and kind of went all over the place. Um, I'll tell you where this game falls in that pantheon. Shortly, uh, it is the most. Uh, offensively obvious ripoff of Mega Man.
2: <laughs> so Josh was right about this. About yes. this segment. So he was. That's why I was
0: laughing when I saw him say that. I'm thinking of this game, and I'm like, man, he is. He, they really did just shove females into other games that yeah. were already very successful, and, and try to try to <laughs> ride coattails with that with that uh, strategy. But. It's another game where the Earth is brought to the brink of destruction and the Crown Empire demands a hero. And so, of course, they're going to go ahead and have a mad scientist create a bunch of robot monsters. Of My course. goodness, that is Mega Man. That is dead on Mega Man. Uh, no bones about it. The music itself, uh, if you listen to it, is reminiscent, although not nearly as good. But, you can, you know, the same kind of bass line, poppy bass lines and the melodies over the top. Very much Mega Man inspired. Uh slash ripped off and um they have some some cut scenes, which is a little different that 's almost castlevania like which mega man really didn't have so that's a little adder that's a little extra but oh, even wow. this, that,
2: that picture looks almost exactly like Mega Man <laughs> right <laughs>
0: yeah. even this where they had like the light lines zooming past with the character standing in the middle super yeah. mega man um, <laughs> but this is basically mega Man girl edition um so you are this little witch. Apparently, you're a robot. You don't look anything like a robot, but the way that the levels scroll between frames is identical to Mega Man. The monsters are like, like these are these spring-loaded things, identical, like straight-up rip-off Mega Man. The Even the level design, the way things are laid out and the way it scrolls, very much Mega Man. Uh, you have a life bar, which is vertically orient, oriented, which is, again, Mega Man. And they're with these these little square rectangleish um, life bar pieces. Uh, Mega Man. <laughs> uh, you can even from Mega Man Four on, you can hold down the the fire <laughs> excuse me fire button and build up your attack and release it in one big attack. They do that here. Um, instead of having your rush jet, which is your dog that can turn into um, like a rocket that you can stand on, in this case it's a broom. It looks like, it's like a, broom, a yeah. robot broom because you are a robot. <laughs> which, um, now I'm making fun of it because it's a straight up ripoff, but they rip it off so well that it's, it's kind of like another Mega Man game. And I love Mega Man games. It's really good. Um, there are some weak points for sure. Um, there are some things where they tried to do the transitions that Capcom did with Mega Man and they're just slow and weird. There are a bunch of points where like right here, you're trying to lay your broom out and figure out how to get up. And they're kind of unwieldy and the broom, if it touches something, just kind of disappears. Um, the levels don't end necessarily with the boss battle. Like right there, you fall down this well and it just kind of said stage one clear. And you're like, oh, I, I guess falling down that particular hole was the end of the level. Um, <laughs> you even have the thing where if you press select, uh, in Mega Man, you can actually like beat different robot bosses and steal their powers. In this game that is not the case although you do have all these powers but they are there from the very beginning of the game so you have uh, your normal shot you have like a fire shot a free shot um a ball shot which is cool because it kind of bounces off walls so you can shoot enemies that you can't directly see you have to bounce them around walls to get to them um now here's where the game it becomes worse outside of kind of some of the graphical glitches and things like that uh the biggest one is at this point uh you know this game was released in in japan first they really realized or perceived that the american market which is funny because we always think the same thing about japan loved really really hard games and the harder like the more successful right and i think uh first of all this is not true probably of japan or the united states we don't love super hard games just because they're super hard i think what created that that um perception is the rental market right because a lot of games were were sold uh, to rental stores and the rental stores didn't want you to be able to beat the game in one weekend they want you to have to keep renting the game if you really want to try to get to the point where you can beat it
2: i've heard that on multiple podcasts and articles online that um in japan you can't rent games at least i mean you couldn't back in the day they just prohibited it you cannot rent games and here in the wild wild west like we could rent games and so the only kind of defense that japan had to that was making games so hard you couldn't complete them in a weekend yep and which is what tip kids typically did you rented a game for the weekend you played it you you beat it and then you moved on and you never had to buy it so yeah i i i i i would say that that's probably a valid reason right
0: yeah, well, I think... I don't know if it was necessarily Japan trying to sell more games. I think the reason Japan had to sell do that to sell more games is because rental stores bought tons of games. Yeah. And they wouldn't buy games that were easy to beat because they wouldn't rent them very much. So the games that were, quote-unquote, more popular for the rental store and for the companies were hard ones because the rental stores were driving that market, but um anyway so what they ha- what happened with this game very similar to like fester's quest which is a famous game for having a much harder american version they took the best part of mega man uh, which is the fact that you can level select and you go to all these different levels and um, if you die you can continue and like just like castlevania it's a hard game but you can keep continuing you can play over and over and over again until you beat a level or pass a check mark and then you keep going from there this game, once you lose your, your three lives, it's game over. They, they got game rid of that. Over. So yeah. it is a very hard game. Um, but if you like Mega Man, it's probably worth a shot. I will probably do my best to get through this one, but uh, given the time frame and the fact that they got rid of all that, I'm probably... Actually, what I'll probably do is play the um, use my Evercade and play the Japanese version of the game, which I don't have the name in front of me. It's a completely different name. Uh and it will have the continues uh, either that or else I'll play it, uh, you know, on something that allows me to do save states. But I prefer not to do that.
2: But That's cool. So so that I think that answers my question. So you didn't play this game back in the day. You've played it recently.
0: Nope. I heard about it fairly recently. Played it actually for really tried to play it for the first time for this podcast this month. Um, where I really made an opinion about it. But there's a number of other Mega Man clones on the NES, and they're all, you know, all, in my opinion, all the Mega Mans for the most part are A's, and these are all kind of B, B minuses, all the kind of okay. copies, which are still great games. They're just not A's. Yeah. So there we that go. That
2: might be a goal of mine before the year's out is to play a Mega Man, try to play one all the way through. The
0: Cryon Conquest. We should, uh, you should do it when you're over here with Tim. We'll all, we'll main man three is one. I know the (laughs) best and, uh, we'll, we'll get through one together. It'll be fun.
2: Cool. All right. So my final game, and uh, I'm curious if you've played or heard of this game before, but the game that I picked for my final one is also a Nintendo game called the guardian legend, Aaron,
0: er, Aaron, Aaron, Eric, that's, that's your name, right? Man, it took me 88 episodes to realize it. Um, it's a game that I, it's been a long time, but I covered on Six Good Games before.
2: Oh, good, good, good. Yes,
0: good. it is a great game.
2: But and that might be where, because you know how we always try to shoehorn games into segments that we want to play? That's kind yeah. of how, like, that's how we drive them. When I found out that this was going to be female protagonists, um, I just happened to come across for some reason that the protagonist in this game was a female android. I don't know what yep. that means, but she is a female <laughs> Android that can switch between a human or, or an Android and a spaceship, which I think is really cool. Very Japanese.
0: Yeah, it
1: is. Um,
2: but this is a 1988 hybrid action adventure shoot-em-up video game developed by Compile uh, for the NES. Um, it is a sequel to the 86 MSX game called Gardic, which I've played on the MSX. Yeah. Um, and it's a, g- it's a very nice game. Um, but it was published in Japan by Irem, which Irem has done a lot of great games. What is it like R-Type? They did R-Type, right?
0: R-Type's their big one,
2: yeah. Um, And then in North America, it was by Broderbund, which um, Broderbund is one of my favorite publishers. They made one of my favorite games, Raid on Bungling Bay, back uh, for the Commodore 64 and Nintendo. There was a version for Nintendo as well. Um, But this is a game that incorporates two different gameplay styles. So, it's basically a shoot 'em up where you tra- transform into a spaceship, and it's a shoot 'em up. And frankly, because I've been pl- you know I've been playing this game for the last week or two, it's a very competent shoot 'em up. I mean, the levels are very challenging. Uh yep. The the enemies are varied and interesting. Vertical shoot 'em up. Um,
0: to be to to clarify.
2: Yeah. Then what did I say? You just said
0: shoot 'em up, but it's vertical rather than horizontal, which. Okay, which yeah, to me it makes a big difference in kind of visualizing the gameplay.
2: Um, But I I think the shoot 'em up parts are a lot of fun. The the shmup parts are are a lot of fun. Um, But then you can convert into a, uh, and I think the shoot 'em up parts are called dungeons in this, if I remember reading through documentation. but then there are levels where you are a person and you're going through different um, areas and there's a the over there's, there's a nice convenient map to get through. You're looking for the exit on every level. Um, you collect these things called chips, which is kind of the currency in the game. And with the chips, you can buy power ups. You can um, get different things in the game to help you out, like increase your shields. Basically you have one life in this game. Uh, does. You do not have multiple lives, but you do have a power bar which the power bar is kind of like shields and you can see the shields activating when you hit things. um, And they knock that, that power bar down. Um, But then when you hit select and you go into the menu, you can, you can change your main weapon. You have two weapons that are mapped to the A and B button. You have a primary weapon, which is kind of a regular good old fashioned laser or whatever. And then you have the kind of powered up gun and that changes based on whatever you buy or whatever you find in the game, and you can select that on the fly. So you can try out different types of weapons for different types of bosses, for different types of enemies. Uh, you basically can hit select which pauses the game and switch switch those real time. Um, I, I've been playing this game, like I said, maybe about a week, week and a half, and I've been really enjoying it. It is not an easy game. Um, this is, again, Nintendo hard, <laughs> as they say. Oh, I, um, I don't.
0: I don't agree with that. You don't. You think it's pretty okay. easy? I'd say it's a perfect weight. I think it's right okay. in the middle.
2: Okay. Yeah, I, I, I've been enjoying it, um, but it, I, I wouldn't say it's a slouch. Let's put it that way. It's not like no, that it's not it's a game that's going to be too easy. Um, <clears throat> but anyway, what are your thoughts on this? Since you've already covered this, in a, and that might be where I got the idea. Now that we mention it,
0: <laughs> it it's what I love about it mixes like my two favorite genres into one game which is action adventure and shmups um the thing that really impresses me is that your life bar your weapons your chips your shots everything that you have in the rpg side of things yeah when you when you go between worlds and you go into the smut excuse me burpee again smup ships uh shmup sections Um, all that stuff somehow translates right over to the shmup sections as if they fit there too. So you'll have a a weapon like this one where it's like this orb that does these little circle spiral things while it heads towards enemies. Or my favorite was the big wave, um, the big like crescent moon wave weapon. And the the weapons somehow translate to the shmup sections perfectly where they feel comfortable and normal and predictable, even though it's a completely different game style. It's weird. Um, You've got these enemies that are blue that you can shoot but every once in a while you'll see a red one that means it's got a power power up inside of it if i remember correctly um you know you've got your maps you've got your shmup sections you've got your bosses shmup bosses bosses as well as if i remember correctly i think there was some uh, action rpg bosses um you're leveling things up you're adding more weapons you're doing all the fun stuff and and it's just solid it's it's a really cool game
2: there's Um, so many there's so many different weapons that are all very interesting so excuse me as you're going through this game you can just try out all these different type of weapons and it's it makes the game very interesting um another thing is the music in this game is really good i don't have the name of the composer handy but the music is fantastic in this
0: There's also little shops you can go into, and the shopkeep is Lolo. So if you ever play (laughs) the the games Lolo Lolo, and Lolo 2 and 3, he's the little blue guy with a uh, a smiley face. He's in there. Um, And yeah, what what I found is that RPG sections were more difficult. The shmup sections were... There's so many... um, if I remember correctly, life power-ups and stuff. That I found them very easy. You'd play through the shmup sections until like the last couple uh, towards the end of the game. I don't think I ever died or struggled with a with a shmup section uh, because I'm used to shmups that have one hit kills. Yeah. And if your life bar is full here, you you have like twenty hits. Um, that being said, the shmup to me, the shmup sections felt l- a little bit weaker, purely because I'm used to one hit kills. So the games are designed in a way that there's always a way out, and sometimes because these are just kind of pattern-based things, you'll get in a situation where I don't think there is a way to to not get hit every once in a while. Right. But but and that's probably why they overpowered it with like power-ups that give your health back. But all in all, uh, yeah, know, great great game, and um, the the whole Japanese thing of like human androids turning into vehicles never does it for me, but for some reason it doesn't bother me in this one, so that's a good Yeah, it doesn't review.
2: seem like it. I mean, <laughs> they could have very well just, instead of transforming, they could have just had her hopping into a ship and right finishing a level and then hopping back out and going back. I mean, they didn't have to make her transform, but whatever. I mean, it's fine. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> I, again, I think that is actually a big thing in, in Japan. Like There's a lot of those yeah. mechs and robots and stuff, and It just never clicked with me, but the game is great.
2: Yeah. Cool. Compile is great. Compile is great. Yeah. They make some fantastic stuff.
0: And the very last game on here, again, early on in Pixel Guide In, like episode four or five, maybe. I might have covered this already, but I'm covering it again because on the Sega Genesis, female protagonist game, Alicia Dragoon okay um it is a game that actually got really good reviews probably like I, I looked up a few 81 85 87 percent so kind of a solid B tier oh, game. nice. yeah um, I would actually rate it a little bit lower it is a good game but it's not a it's not a you know maybe a C plus B minus game um, but it is a 16-bit fantasy uh, I don't know how to describe it. It it almost feels like Turrican, but it's linear. It's not like you can go wherever you want, style like Turrican. It's very linear. You do go left, right, up, down, all over the place, but you follow a predetermined path kind of a thing. Um, And it's interesting because the... It's not... it's kind. I guess you can call it a running gun, but it's not... Your main weapon is this lightning that auto-seeks where where all the enemies are. So... um, you know, a big horde of birds will come at you and you'll hold down lightning and it'll attack like all seven of them and they'll all die at once. So yeah. it's almost like you're te- your weapon is kind of screen clearing, but for half the screen, I don't know, you kind of have to play it to get it, but you have, um, you know, three little uh, orange pills that are your your HP. If you get hit, you typically lose a half a pill. So we're really like six bars of health. Then you have your weapon weapon, which when it's maxed out, you hit the button and it's screen clearing, hits everything on the screen, but then it drops down in power a little bit. And so you're attacking individual people at that point until you let go and wait until it fills back up. Um, But you are this uh, girl, of course, in your battle gear, which is like a bra and a loincloth. Um, (laughs) Of
2: course. Of course it is. (laughs)
0: Uh, and she has this, this uh, familiar, if that's the word you use, right, these dragons that will that you can uh, use next to you. Now, if you press the A button on the Genesis controller, uh, it'll pause the game kind of and allow you to pick which dragon you want to be your partner at the time. You have a kind of a water dragon, a fire dragon, and a lightning dragon, if I remember correctly. And um, they do kind of different attacks. And the more you use them, the more they level up. So you kind of want to use all of them in different points in the game, get them all leveled up. Um, you're attacking various creatures. Again, it starts to kind of with like bats and slimes and things like that. These orcs guys kind of things are popping out right now. Uh, the, the main level here starts kind of with the almost Egyptian theme, but ultimately it's fantasy. Um, you know, just kind of point inspiration from, you know, earth proper. um, Although all the writing in the game is in Japanese, I, I'm now noticing. And uh, it's just super, it, it almost looks like, it actually is great artwork, but it's got that kind of Amiga feel to it when it comes to like the character and the way they jump, how they're kind of stilted.
2: Yeah, I, I would <laughs> you know agree. When about? I look at this, it's like, oh, this could this could be at home in the Amiga.
0: Yeah, I think this game is is only on the Genesis Mega Drive. Yeah. Uh, so this is the only place you can you can get it. Um, I've never heard of it. it. It's fun. I've
2: never heard of it, which surprises me. I mean, I've heard of most games by now, but I've never even heard of this one.
0: Yeah, and again, it got great re- reviews. It came out in 1992, uh, so kind of right in the heart of the Genesis, I think, which came out in 89, believe it or not. Um, and what p- probably petered out like, towards 95, 96? Is that when the... 32-bit started coming out. I think so, so. Something like
2: that, yeah. Yeah, kind of
0: right in the heart of it. Um, it's, a, it's a good game. Yep. it's a, it, looks, I mean, it looks
2: great. I, I, I like that kind of lightning mechanic. I mean, you see some shmups with that. Like, you know, you, you get that lightning power-up that will just kind of chain-react on different enemies, so you, uh-huh. it will hit multiple ones on different screens. So seems like an interesting mechanic. What
0: I did learn about this game, which is counterproductive to how I play, I always play where I take my time and inch forward slowly and kind of like pick things apart and try not to hit hit ever. Um, the way to play this game is you just charge forward and attack everything constantly. So it really is just like a try to get to the end of the level and smash buttons kind of a game, um, yeah. which once you play it that way, it works really well. But yeah, the way yeah I was that's playing fun. It, it, i couldn't get that far doing it the the way that typically works well for me but i figured that out watching some replays and and uh yeah it's cool there's some bosses uh, i think there's like five levels but they're broken into stages three stages each so you got like 15 um stages to play through
2: yeah you
0: know, very linear very looks great. Sega. and they, I, now i have to say now if you like the sega sound chip which i'll be yeah. honest with you i it bugs me it is not yeah. my cup of tea. There's some games that did really good things with it, but so many of those games have those very Sega sounds, like the, like the, wow, you know, you know what I'm talking about? Like, yeah. Um, yep. The kind of like hard metal clanking sounds that the Genesis sound chip does. This game mm-hmm. is like the epitome of the Sega sound chip. Like, if someone said, What does the Sega Genesis sound like? I'm like, This game. It is this game. <laughs> it is just super Sega e. So. There we go. Cool. Alicia I like Dragoon. It. I, I,
2: it's a game I want to definitely try to play. This looks really good.
0: Yeah. And that is our six good games, Eric.
2: Yes, it is. And know what else it is? It, more than that, it is the end of an episode 88.
0: <laughs> episode 88 of Pixel Guide in So coming up in 15 days from the time this releases, uh, last day in August, we are going to have Tim on the show. We are going to be talking yeah. about uh, a battle between some Pac Man clones, Casey Munchkin and Munchman, on the TI 99 and M- Magnacy AutoVax. Uh, <laughs> Magnacy. oh my goodness, Magnavox <laughs> Odyssey 2. <laughs> and um, and uh, we're going to talk catching up. Uh, I think, Gary, you got a game show for us.
2: I do so, have a game no- show already.
0: Never a dull moment, not to mention that Tim is going to be on the show as well. I did forget to mention earlier in the show, and I should mention it now, Tim has put two more videos up on the Pixel Guiden uh YouTube channel. So yes, please hop on over to that and check that out. Uh you can check that out at youtube.com forward slash PixelGuiden and um it's 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 an interesting topic that is very Tim and very Pixel guided, isn't it?
2: Yes, it is. Um, I don't know if you want to give it away or let the give it
0: away. Yeah,
1: yeah. So he
2: was playing through different versions of Burger Time, which is kind of our mascot video game. For, somehow, somehow. It I don't that. remember how that happened, but sure.
0: Between that and and Doug pestering me about Galaga, yeah, um, <laughs> the perpetuating continues perpetuating the myth that i hate the game again i don't hate it it's okay i just don't love it like everyone you know kill me whatever someday um, you
2: need to do a cody's corner on just galaga
0: just galaga it'll be like welcome to cody's corner on galaga it's the game where you shoot the aliens and they're exactly the same every time and if you Aww. go to the bonus stage and you miss one you might as well just restart galaga <laughs> um thank you guys for listening
2: yes and have a good day (laughs) (laughs) we gotta land this turd (laughs) goodbyes are so hard eric it is it is we gotta land 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 this plane let's do it so uh yeah we will see you on episode 89 coming up 89 being the year i graduated from high school so Mm. that's that's pretty cool um but yeah let's uh let's uh let's 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 end this thing
0: I'm waiting for you to say the tagline. I'm going to let
2: you end it. Usually you usually do. Remember, yep. everybody. So you ready? It's, it's dangerous, dangerous to, to go, go Alone.
0: Thank you again for listening. You can find episode information and show notes online at pixelguiden.com. Please follow us on Twitter at pixel underscore gaiden, And you can also follow Eric at dubproject. project. That's D-U-H project. You can also follow Cody on Twitter at Oddball49, that's oddba a one one four nine. You can reach Tim Drew as well on Twitter at Sanction, that's S-A-N-X-I-O-N. If you are interested in supporting the show financially, please join us at our Patreon account, that's patreon.com forward slash pixelguiden. Please leave a review to help get our podcast listed higher up on the show rankings. We would also love to hear from you with any comments or input, so hit us up on our email at podcast at pixelguiden.com.